0: the ending to Sanjiro, i won't spoil it is is one of the simplest yet greatest like sort of punctuation marks to a like an excellent like adventure just right. it's 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 inspired me narratively speaking which is why i bring this up uh, in so many ways in the stories i tell is to sort of like end with like a good you know like a good punch whether it's you know literary or or like a you know good action scene or even like just a good you know that sort of K- kaiser soze you know, you know, turning the leg and gradually walking like that, you know, that is kind of like a punch to an end, too, so, but I can see Digital Keegan showing up, whoop, Alex, why are you on here, lol, you should be sleeping for days. <laughs> so. I'll get there, I'll get there, uh,
1: good to see you, uh, Keegan, oh, I should actually shout this out to the Discord, shouldn't I,
2: because
1: oh. I, I totally, uh, up until I saw that tweet, like, I was just thumbing through, uh, Twitter, and I'm like, oh, yeah, we, we
0: were doing that, weren't we? Yeah, I um d- don't don't worry. I forgot which guest I had on this week versus next week, and I'm like, I'm like, I'll just wing it. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> like,
1: so so k- kind of how we ran the last uh, two months of the campaign. Gotcha. Is that? Yeah, yeah. Well,
0: I mean, I I, I mean, I I haven't run like a, a as robust a campaign in in any Age of Sigmar capacity, but I have run a bunch of like uh, tabletop RPG campaigns. I've GMed for. Oh, about twenty-five years, um, and so, so mo- most of my lifetime, got it. Yeah, yeah. There's a healthy dose of uh, of winging it in in my GMing too. <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> and it, it, what, what's really uh, come on Discord, uh, cooperate with me. Uh, what, what's really satisfying about it is something that you know you kn- you know as the GM that you kind of uh, just sort of winged,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, like seeing it take on a life of its own. So, like, th- there's a few. Uh, just sort of like throwaway locations on the map that have have become like these really important consequential things mm-hmm. but when when we first wrote them it was just like oh th- this seems fun to stick here like that that's a clever name let's do that
0: you know and then, then
1: it it sort of evolves
0: well i mean that's that's the that is the beauty of and kind of jump in the jump of the gun here a bit during the cold open but that is the that is the beauty of an organic storytelling uh, sort of genre like with a campaign or a neo environment or or you know a, you know a tabletop RPG campaign, is you're essentially rather than you know getting on the stage and delivering a monologue to yeah. folks to the audience, the audience is actually on stage with you, dialoguing with you, and and that's the beauty is you it's that two way conversation. During that story, and I think that's what really, really makes something like this especially special. And your audience is insanely far-reaching. So before we get into any of that, I see Chat Gangs here. W Soren says good evening from Texas and uh, drops a thousand RDP to remind everyone that Chat Gang ain't nothing to fuck with. Minimum Pants also dropping a thousand RDP to remind you that Chat Gang ain't nothing to fuck with. Uh, so this is, of course, AOS Rantcast sixty-four. We're going to be talking about the the Neo Plight animosity campaigns with Alex. Uh, I will be your host this evening, the magical Mr. Mephisto. If you forgot, uh, how's it going, my friend?
1: It's going. I'm, I'm. It feels really good to be on the other side of it. Uh, I won't say I'm in the clear yet, or you know, we're in the clear yet. But uh, it it feels really good. Uh, you know, we we started animosity, we we relaunched it from it's warhammer fantasy incarnation last year you know so it it feels good to have already had one in the books and then you know come back and do it again and do it even even i don't want to say better because this year is such a different experience this year that. yeah yeah <laughs> but but
0: certainly much 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 bigger
1: um, last year
0: it's it's weird because like i've gone through a cycle of at the beginning. I wanted to just kind of put my head down and grind through COVID. I'm like, I, w- I don't need to talk about it on my show. Everyone's gonna make a show about it. And then like it gradually just became just a part of uh, like a part of the Zeitgeist so firmly that it's like, you realize that it's it's sort of altered personal, professional, hobby lives just blank in a blanket across the board. So it's like, how do you not address that? Absolutely. Hey, th- this has added some complication. And what's unique about I think what's unique about animosity campaign is that you're essentially doing them sort of remotely, you know, like this is a, yeah. And, and um, I guess real quick, do you want to, for people who may not know what the animosity campaigns are, kind of give them the pitch of what it is. And uh, before we kind of get into like the, the how and the, and, and the, 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 the minutia.
1: Sure. And uh, just so people don't think that I'm ignoring you. I'm, I'm also doing hobby while, while we speak. Uh, but uh, so yeah, animosity campaigns um, for for any people in the the audience who've been around a really long time uh, actually first began out of on an internet forum for greenskins in 2004. Uh, it was called the Warpath. If if any of you go back that far and were active then, uh, and animosity started in the aftermath of the Storm of Chaos uh, worldwide campaign. And basically, there were a bunch of orc players who had a lot of fun, and they were like, "Hey, we we want to keep having fun even though this campaign's over." Um, so they started Animosity, which was named after the the old uh, orc rule of the same name, um, and it's it's come to mean a lot more than that. Uh, let's see if I can stick this ogre tyrant's foot on the right way. Nope. <laughs> um, but uh, so, uh. uh animosity then progressed through 10 years from 2004 to 2014 of warhammer fantasy campaigns which were 100 uh like we were we were joking uh when we kicked this off a couple months ago uh we we were the original socially distanced campaign because the whole thing uh was forum based so the the basic like reduced to lowest terms animosity in a normal year Um, is basically you you play games with your friends and then you go to our website animositycampaigns.com and you report those uh, games and that uh, depending on how you allocate your reports that influences how the story goes so the the narrative is 100% open-ended like we set the stage and then it it just it goes from there Um, we we don't have like we, we have broad strokes of you know what what can happen in the story but we we certainly don't railroad anything and, and animosity never has but anyway so that that went on from 20 yeah 2004 to 2014 and then uh a few things happened all at once and why, why is this tyrant not standing on the base level um there we go maybe uh as i'm sure you know you, you're aware uh, end times happened yeah um so the, the setting that Animosity existed in blew up. And then uh, we had a site crash, so our own continuity blew up.
0: That's, I mean, there, there's a, that's like perfect. At the same time. I mean, you're going too hard. This is method acting. Like, you're going way <laughs> too hard.
1: <laughs> um, so, you know, just a lot, a lot, a huge amount of data loss, you know. Uh, and, um, you know, a, a lot of people moved on and uh, it just sort of went into uh. Uh, purgatory for for a long time and I ended up picking up the uh, the, the website domain because it, it had been like to 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 demonstrate the the kind of friendships that and experiences that we had as players back then uh, one of my fellow game masters uh, Peter uh, I was uh, he, he invited me to be in his uh, wedding party so I, I was a groomsman.
0: Now, I, I was the groomsman like furthest from the best man but I was still there <laughs> I um, mean that's still pretty impressive from like building <laughs> those forging those like sort of online relationships and seeing them become real real world I think that's something special about the Warhammer community um yeah. you know it, it was it felt like I mean I, I grew up in like the the aim chat room era of the internet sort of <laughs> old enough to like you know have an online girlfriend and stuff like that right, right. um it seemed like it was such the the rarity. I mean, I remember I had an aim and D game for crying out <laughs> loud. That was it was it was horrible. Uh, but <laughs> I did it. Um, I, it it's interesting because it felt like it was like such the rarity that that anything would would come from anything on the internet in that way. And yet we live in this combination of era and community where it's become more, far more ubiquitous. Where you you do take those those relationships offline. Age of Sigmar for me is a great sort of mechanism for that. I meet you online, I I, I see your models all the time, and then I I want to go to a tournament so I can hang out and in this sort of safe space where we have a mutual interest and develop those relationships further. And that's, I mean, that's, I think that's pretty magical. With a campaign like this, you have something that just a a base tournament may not have, which is, I've been talking about this a lot with uh, Blood Bowl lately, the Blood Bowl League we started, uh, on accident. <laughs> um, it, it, it happens. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It seems there's some, something to this starting really big things on accident, but, uh, Oh yeah. I, I, I IRC client, all the, all the works. Right. Um, yeah. oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I liked MSN uh, instant messenger though, because I got to change my screen name to song lyrics uh, <laughs> um, sorry, I I, got, I derailed myself there by reading chat gang. Um, no, it, but uh, what I was saying is like I like that the, with with a campaign. I feel like you have that sort of uh, stakes. That's the thing I talk about in Blood Bowl is like there are stakes that you may yeah two K tournament. I you know I I show up and I want to win the prize and or drink beer and and see my friends I haven't seen in a long time. But with a campaign, like in a narrative sense, there's there's sort of like this this. Progressing narrative, this, these these stakes, right? If my character does something sweet, or my army does something sweet, that could become canon for Animosity three or four, yeah, right?
1: and and that that uh, as any of the I, I don't know if any of my players uh, I, I invited everyone, but I don't know if anyone's here. Well, I know Keegan's here, but uh, yeah, like that. That's very much uh, how how we uh, how we structure our experience and. Uh, I think my I, I'm double checking here because uh, I want to quote it right. Yeah, my my pinned tweet on my personal Twitter account is uh, match players fight battles, narrative players wage wars, and I think that was very evident uh, in in the last five weeks. Uh, yeah, and we had um, j- just a, a really quick anecdote when when you say about uh, uh, just just everything you just said. Um, we, we had one player, a, a Zangor by the uh, name Quark Rustwater. And, and again, if, if there's any of our players in the chat, they're all screaming right now. They're, they're, uh, I think okay. they're there.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, who uh, he, he got it in his head that he wanted to try to kill one of the figureheads. And the, the figureheads are non-player characters uh, that we write uh, that each of the coalitions, which is our replacement for Grand Alliances, um, sort of coalesce around their their figurehead. And uh, Quark decided uh, he wanted to, to try to kill a figurehead, uh, one of the opposing figureheads. And uh, th- things worked out in such a way that we gave him a shot, but uh, it, it was... We were like, you know, we'll give you a chance. And then it, it was literally like your, your anvil of apotheosis uh, war scroll versus one we generate. And we roll the dice uh and my, my buddy peter like he I, I don't think any any of the players know this so I'll, I'll admit to it on air uh he he came up with uh what, what he calls uh face down so he he each roll he enters it in the chat like you know literally dice roll by dice roll uh and narrates it like he's uh narrating a a boxing match so uh nice Ah, uh, so that, that that's our entertainment while our our players are you know risking their lives. Um, and yeah, so uh, Quark uh, Quark Rustwater uh, killed a Heartsbane, Hartsbane, the uh, Pilgrimage's figurehead, which was a slaughter queen. Um. <clears throat> and uh, so then then that led to this this really hilarious story that ended up in the the final uh, unfolding narrative where a a uh, Fire player. Who was, uh, shall we say, close with Arali, uh, Sent his Runeson to go get revenge, uh, um, <clears throat> and Quark killed him too. Unbelievable! So, again, we we, we had uh, you know an anvil of apotheosis scrolls running into each other. That's amazing. Uh, and then Quark and a buddy decided they they decided they were going to kill their own figureheads. Um, and Quark decapitated one in the first round of combat. And then got his head smashed in by the other and died. So
0: you know, Got a like, little too like, big for his britches.
2: Yeah, like
1: <laughs> he I, I was reminded, you know, in any casino movie where it's like, you know, let him roll. And and eventually, you know, the luck runs out. Right. So, right. Yeah. Um, but you know, that that's literally just one of hundreds of just little fun anecdotes where you know at, at the same time like that this was his player character and he decided to stake his character over and over again and eventually he got killed and we we at no point do we ever decide to kill player characters that's not something we do it's not fair to the players but if, if they're willing to to you know stake their own characters on it and it's like yeah if, if we'll let the dice decide it and if you lose well you yeah. know you're you're in, in the campaign canon your character's dead uh generate a new one
0: Right, right. So, so real quick here, I want to catch up on some, some chat gang. First of all, ShadowClaimer, thank you so much for that Tier 1 sub. It is September after all, so subs are, uh, I think they're half off or something like that. So so thank you so much for that. Um, appreciate you supporting the stream here. Uh, Caleb saying, uh, Kane says, uh, you get to attach yourself to the outcome of stuff. Uh, Ricky S- Smith sounding off saying, here. Uh, <laughs> Kaleonis in there talking about uh, some of the... Uh, chat programs from back in the day. I, sir Bald the Flax, am here. <laughs> uh, uh, people, oh boy, did people get a- attached. Hey, Nuno, how's it going, my friend? Um, like a, a shadow claimer says, like a brave circus performer, everything revolves around the cannon. <laughs> yes. uh, well, the storm <laughs> put it that way. Well, the the storm cast seemed detached at least when they murdered those turnip orphans. Oof. <laughs> um, yeah. That- that, that happened too. Um, they, ro- they robbed us of it. The- That's a little murder hoboey, isn't it? <laughs> so some would
1: say it's normal for Stormcast, but.
0: Wait till he learns of the wretched figureheads. Mm-hmm. Uh, Knights uh, Excelsior were in character. You folks ain't. <laughs> okay. You ain't going to let it down, are you? I'm going to go ahead and guess that Nuno did some bad stuff.
1: <laughs> well, no, he, he didn't because he, he was on the, the GM team, but no, uh the the players certainly did some bad stuff to each other and that that's that's a design feature not a bug. Uh, yeah, yeah, feature but, not a bug. Uh,
0: but, uh, again,
1: it it comes back to if you don't mind me saying, it, it comes back to what you're saying where like you go to a tournament, you roll dice, you have fun, you know, mate. You're you're competing for, you know, to, to get as high up the scoreboard as you can. But uh, you know, at the end of the day you, you go home and you you redesign your list and uh, I mean uh, let's just say passions have flared over this, and there's definitely been. Uh...
2: Well,
0: there's, um, I mean, there is a a joy in it, tinkering and always refining the the solving the puzzle from a, a mechanic standpoint and stuff like that. Like I'm one of those those rare individuals who can really like kind of wear multiple hats and shift gears. Like I, I I enjoy, I mean I've I've covered on an episode with Chuck Moore. Like I don't go to like a match tournament without an understanding of like even the narrative of my army. Um, yeah. More recently, I, I got a draw from Packer because it's the last physical tournament I played at in, back in January, playing against David Wydeck from uh, Garage Hammer. We had this, like, story essentially of Raikkoner trying to, like, kind of uh, uh, take down Nagash in a rebellion because he didn't like how Nagash was, like, sort of uh, co-opting Olander and, uh, you know, all this yeah, stuff. No. And so we just had this, like, you know, you I, I think you can inject narrative into your games, and I think yeah. you, you should, even in a match play sense, find you know, it, it can be minor stuff, like, uh, you know, this is this is Throck General Slayer, my, uh, you know, my mega boss, and, uh, all he needs, all he wants to do is find the biggest, baddest monster and kill it, and, uh, and then just so, like, every game I play at a match play tournament, I'm always throwing this mega boss on foot into, like, the general of the army, and just seeing how many I can, I can kill in five rounds, right? Like, it, there's, there's other ways to, like, sort of, uh, infuse your own narrative. but when there's a collective narrative all working together and against each other too right you've got that sort right. of like your're butting heads, you know you've got your passions because you're you're once you have a character, you have an anchor point like yes, this like absolutely. this this very fixed point that you're you're observing everything and whereas playing match play is an awful lot like an RTS. You know, you're, you're sort of, you're the disembodied hand floating around the table, <laughs> clicking on stuff in, in a, That's like... Good, a, way, good way to look at it, yeah. But once you're playing that more narrative game, it's a lot more like a Soikoden or like a, you know, like a more of a personal RPG where you're, you're not just the disembodied hand floating around clicking the units anymore, you're actually one of the players standing there yelling out orders and directing the <laughs> battlefield, you know.
2: Yeah,
0: no, I'd, I'd absolutely agree with that narrative pvP good way of putting it uh, uh no um emerald canticle was an absolute joy uh, see now it's just like a bunch of you can tell there's like a lot of passion uh going on in here I'll kick her real quick before I before I let this one get yeah. get buried said uh yeah. I, I said, got l- time. said long live the pilgrimage and uh, huge thanks for all the work on animosity too Name your characters so that you care if they die. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I 100% never cared about my Blight Kings until they were named. Well, I mean, that's going on in Blood Bowl right now. Is I've, I've named all my players, like, really bad, like, football, mostly Packers puns. And uh, <laughs> I don't want Scar and Rogers to die now. <laughs> Whereas when they were unnamed, it's like, ah, whatever. If he dies, he dies, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I get that reference. <laughs> Long live the pilgrimage! Tell that to your dead figurehead, buddy. <laughs> look, look at the shade. Look at this trash talk.
1: So, so th- th- that's another. Uh, uh, we l- literally, when we started the Discord, we were like, well, you know, we we want to give players a place to to collaborate uh, and and have sort of a sense of community, but we we didn't really know. We had no idea what the turnout was going to be or like what, what shape it would end up taking. And what one of the shapes it ended up taking was that um, there was trash talk in the community uh, channel. So I brought back something from the old forum days called The Pit. I was like, all right, take your trash talk to The Pit. And so then in The Pit, everyone started posting food. Uh, so it became The Barbecue Pit. And I had to make another channel for trash talk. <laughs> Which then didn't get used because all the trash talk ended up in the diplomacy channels they asked for, and it, it uh, definitely took on a life of its own.
0: See, there's a beauty in that, and and, and I have to wonder how much, how many uh, tabletop RPGs or, or or like you know D and D riffs, you know, uh, <laughs> Vampire the Masquerade type campaigns have you have you been in or run? Because I'm seeing some parallels between like some of the tenants I have for my tabletop RPGs and this this anim- the animosity campaigns
1: nothing. I actually have very little uh RPG
0: experience. Weird because uh, like you're coming off like a pro right now. I'm like, this would make uh, a really good GM. Thanks. <laughs> uh no, I, I again, my my buddy Peter,
1: he's uh he's been playing RPGs since he was knee-high to a grasshopper, but no, for me
0: I only have only played in a couple, honestly. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh trash talk is a form of diplomacy. <laughs> it's a shadow claimer <laughs> <laughs> 40 46 weeks that's time to develop an army and a story there you go mars <laughs> um so you you kind of mentioned a, a little bit earlier on that this was uh you know this is the original socially distanced uh campaign or or whatever um yeah. but we also did mention that there were some new challenges for covid because obviously a, a portion of this is you play with your friends and then you sort of like where you can locally and then you kind of submit those to the interwebs and you develop the story as you go. What were some challenges in sort of getting these stories at that sort of grassroots level and then pulling them into the greater campaign with the landscape these days?
1: So ironically, we all we really had to do was go back to our, our roots as a forum based uh, event. Excuse me. So what I, what happened last year was i I'd, I'd seen uh uh coalescence what 17 and 18 um i played in those and uh i played in some other narrative events with aaron bostian and I'd, I'd seen things like uh, realms at war holy hammer etc so like I, i'd have i kind of gotten a feel for like what narrative events looked like in the age sigmar community mm-hmm. and i built as uh keegan and uh Uh, Caleb can uh, attest to in in the chat I built last year's event to very much be a in-person experience so basically the way I set it up was that uh, narrative event organizers would take uh, our setting and sort of our our event pack and everything and they would bring that uh, to their local players but like the the narrative event organizer was the point of contact between between their players and us Mm -hmm. so they they took what their players were doing and they relayed that back to us and then we created uh the uh what we call the unfolding narrative out of what they reported back to us
2: Mm
1: -hmm. uh this year uh, that wouldn't really work Uh, and i mean it, it worked for uh keegan but uh for for most of us that won't work um so uh we we went back to our roots where every player submits their own reports and you can submit uh, more than just uh, games, which we 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 did allow last year, but only a couple of people uh, actually went that route. Uh, so we we ended up uh, dividing it into five report categories, um, and we we allowed players to submit one report per category. And uh, our categories were gaming, which covered um, you know your normal tabletop games, but also covered uh, single player Warcry like. Uh, Doug Griggs Two Plus Stuff has a, a single player a Warcry thing. Uh, Nuno came up with a uh, single player uh, of Age of Sigmar with apparently really, yeah, a, a really hard AI. I haven't played it, but apparently it's it's very difficult. It um, you know, we we allowed that and we allowed uh, Tabletop Simulator and Table Tabletop Simulator actually took off in a big way after like the the first week. And I've never really used it, but. Uh, we had one player, uh, Ashevolk, who uh, was creating, like, every week he was creating new custom tables for, like, that week's uh, narrative for Tabletop Simulator. Mm-hmm. Uh, and th- th- those are things, if, if anyone in chat plays Tabletop Simulator, like, all those assets are still out there if you want to
0: play on some really cool-looking tables in right. Tabletop Simulator. Right on. Real quick, not to cut you off, but... Uh, no, absolutely. Tectonic Craft Studios here says, food picks are the universal language. I agree. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh I don't get the snobbery with hating on people taking pictures of food. <laughs> um Nuno says Alex has an instinctive understanding of RPGs somehow, both as a GM and a player. Started playing Soulbound and hit the ground running. Yeah, see, now I'm curious like where this like sort of instinctual um te- sensibilities as a as a as a GM is just coming cuz you're talking to me and you're like speaking my language uh in terms of like tenets of of RPG and stuff like that. Um real wow uh shadow claimer gifting 10 tier 1 subs to the community here uh digital keegan nuno ricky smith uh tectonic studios harrylicious wolf lord zum fake plastic tea uh which it might be uh, the greatest radiohead pun ever texas wargamer and c uh, and cbd 88 so enjoy those uh those emotes uh most important of which is of course our chat gang emote so thank you so much for that um and then the gosh would be the second most important one (laughs) um yeah um but yeah so you, you mentioned like having five categories just to reset here real quick uh five categories uh this is where most of my twitter feed lit up with like animosity like sort of painting or hobby submissions um, yeah, we,
1: we we had a hashtag, which was uh, hashtag Animosity 2, and that's Roman numeral 2, so two I I's, not the number two. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, yeah, if, I mean, anyone's welcome to thumb back through that, because there's a lot there. Um, but yeah, so that, that was where, so I, I just wanted to run through, like, what gaming itself looked like. Right, right, right. Uh, but yeah, our other categories were painting and modeling, um, storytelling, which was literally uh you know, stage a photo of your models fighting <laughs> each other if that's all you want to do. Um and some people did some really creative stuff. Uh we had arts and crafts, which we got a lot of uh illustrations and some other uh, uh some other really neat stuff and uh then li- literally just uh kind of an open category. <laughs> <laughs> um you know so uh what one uh uh N- Nuno really wanted to see cosplay and we-, we did get a cosplay. It was a uh Uh, A Skaven uh, glaring angrily at a turnip, and the turnips (laughs) took on their their own life somehow. But uh, there's a lot here to
2: unpack.
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh, See, I thought turnip was like, at first I thought I was in on it, and I'm like, oh, you're talking about like orcs, essentially. And Um, uh, (laughs) nope. And I'm like, okay, now I have no idea.
1: (laughs) That's its whole um, mother
0: thing. Uh, if you want to finish uh, finish up talking about what the gaming aspect, like how you submit on the game side of things, you know, are these two K battles, one K? Uh, you said you were playing on TTS versus, like, what was the sort of was it a standardized format that people adopted? No. Was it just player games and send us your? How how did that? What did that look like? Uh,
1: just just that, yeah, player games and uh, so the the way mechanically the way our campaign uh, works is maybe I should explain that to give some context. Um, is every report is a report so whether whether it's you know assembling an over tyrant uh, or playing a game or whatever every report has a value of one um, and each each player was allowed to submit one report per type so each player had a maximum reporting power of five if they if they and some of them uh, did manage to pull off uh, putting in like five reports every turn which is herculean and not how we intended but go you guys Um, (laughs) but uh, uh, so when you when a player goes in and submits a report they are presented with what we call narrative paths Uh, in each coalition which is the player teams there's six coalitions each uh, coalition has three narrative paths they can choose from and each of those three paths is opposed by another coalition so it's it's always a tug of war against other actual players, um, and so if if you were an expedition player and they're they're all going to groan at this, you might be paired against um, the perpetual, uh, the pilgrimage, and the wretched, um, and I think they they got tired of being paired against them, but uh, but that that's kind of how that works. So then there there's two other uh, coalitions that you would not fight at all that turn but then uh, depending on the the push and pull of the story we can switch that up between turns so um, you know it, it might be uh, you know next turn it, it, you'd be fighting the pilgrimage and then uh, the soul munchers and the undivided uh, and that, that would shift uh, for
0: everyone each turn so so you keep using this term turn and I believe this is there was what five weeks and each week was was a turn or something along those lines. What what's a turn? Explain that real quick. Um Yeah, sorry, I'm fighting with this uh,
1: shoulder pad. Yeah, so a, a turn was actually four days from Thursday through Sunday. Um and the campaign lasted for five turns and then so I, I guess a complete turn you you could I I didn't really explain it in these terms, but it w- you would have, like, the-, the Game Master turn and then the player turns. So the players would have four days to get their reports in, and then we took three days to to crunch all those reports and create the, the unfolding narrative and set up the next turn. Um, and we-, we started with two-day uh, Game Master uh, turns, but that... <laughs> Quickly proved unfeasible.
0: I, like see, three days. I see Nuno here, approximately 200 points per week or, or uh, reports per week for five weeks. And he's just got the like frustrated emoji. Just yeah. Ah. So yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: so yeah. But by by the end, we we would have come up somewhere somewhere over uh, over 900 uh, reports for the campaign. It's over 900. Um, Not bad. I understood that reference. <laughs> <laughs> um so so yeah we we were dealing with uh just average 200 reports per turn so that that's six teams each dropping you know whatever their percentage of that is uh each and every turn and then then the task came back to us to to go through all that so uh, a huge volume of those reports were uh what we call uh You know, narrative or writing reports, and that they were exactly that—they were short stories. And uh, by the end of the campaign, we ended up featuring more and more of just people's stories in the unfolding narrative, uh, because just the the originality and uh, just just inspiration and quality of the writing, uh, yeah, you know, really blew us away. So it, I I very much was left sort of feeling like, well, you know, why why should I and you know, we, we learned a lot, and we're we're going to do things a little differently next time on a lot of things. But, I, I especially in in the last couple of turns, I was left just sort of feeling like you know the players did such an amazing job. You mm-hmm. know, I why don't I just feature what
0: they wrote and let let everyone you know get a front row seat to read it. That's amazing. So, speaking of, like, I can can I read the animosity campaign how it unfolded? Like, is there a place I can go and just like click through and kind of um, follow the turns, or was that more of a kept discord? Or um...
1: no, you you can. So, uh, it's it's not entirely uh, updated right now because WordPress decided to completely overhaul their admin interface in the middle of the campaign. Uh, so you know every, everything I knew about how to build the site for the last four years it's like well let's throw that out because we changed everything <laughs> um, so if, if you go to animositycampaigns.com there is a tab called unfolding narrative and that uh, probably by the end of next week that will have oh. I think it has every, everything up through turn four but it doesn't have uh,
0: it, it doesn't have the this this last uh, epilogue it yeah. doesn't have that so, like a, a sort of like a wrap up after afterward type thing, yeah. I no, wrap I've, up afterward that was sixty pages long. Yeah, that. <laughs> I've actually had the website up here. That was a trick question the whole time, uh, but I just wanted to make sure that you <laughs> that you got that plug in. Um, fair, fair enough. But
1: yeah, uh, what what we also do is after the campaign is over, we go through and we archive everything into what we call the omnibus. Uh, So in the next couple of months, there will be an Animosity 2 omnibus, and there is one for Animosity 1, and that is literally 100% of everything, our writing, player writing, any and all contributions will be archived in there, and that, that goes back to what I was telling you before about how with the Warhammer Fantasy version, you know, we suffered a site crash and everything was lost. So, it's, it's really important to me that that isn't allowed to happen again.
0: Well, you got to click that button in in WordPress to download your data every now and then. Just get in the routine of yeah. doing that. I've got, I've got, I've lost a, uh, I, when I was still at Games Journal, I lost uh, the article that I was the most famous for when I was still a Kotaku contributor. They redid their <laughs> whole site and I never kept a copy for myself. So, it's just freaking lost to time. Um, and, uh, <laughs> Yeah. it's like man I really wish I had that original article where I was pseudo famous for my writing um, <laughs> but but here we are um, I think I have most of my other most of my other uh, journalistic stuff because it only really takes one of those major crashes for you to like kind of learn the lesson right it's a hard lesson to learn though
1: and and m- more more than you know just our stuff we we certainly want to preserve uh, player uh, contributions which right. speaking of which uh, do you want to get chat in here Yeah, if if Chad
0: would like to join.
2: No,
1: uh, chat. Do you you want to take a break to to read chat?
0: Oh, I've I've been kind of going along here. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, thirty four per week. Um, Uh, uh, Quietus Wood says I'm I'm reading through the omnibus uh, for uh a, uh, AI now. Uh, I didn't realize how much. uh, I didn't realize how much all a two impacted a one. Stakes in retrospect. Yeah. Um, so you can omnibust that document out and have reading materials for days. <laughs> Sincerest apologies uh, to the delegation.
1: <laughs> no, and and it, it that, that's an interesting comment because yeah, uh, animosity two was very much rooted in the aftermath of animosity one, and again, even though we only had uh, maybe a third of the players uh, for the last campaign. You know what? What happened there directly informed how this unfolded. And even though, uh, even though, obviously the players can't see it yet, we we do have a dev document open for Animosity Three, and what happened this time will directly inform and have big consequences on, uh, um,
0: on Animosity Three. So, so I'm going to give you an idea for free for next time. Was it Quirk? Quirk. Quirk? was the uh, was the uh, Beast Lord Assassin of of Destiny.
2: Yeah, uh,
0: okay. yeah, Quirk quark um yeah. may, may i suggest that nagash resurrects him to be a npc that goes around just cur- continuing to shiv uh important figures
1: the, the, you can have that a, for free <laughs> the, there's already a uh, quark lives hashtag and and d- debating like how, well how much of them has, has to make it through to still be alive like the, <laughs>
0: the plague priest bashed his head in See in in Nagash we trust, and uh, yeah. They, yeah. <laughs> the Supreme Lord of the Undead can make it happen. Yeah, Cork lives. Cork died. They're yelling back and forth. Ghost Beast Man, nice. Yeah, exactly. See, you can have that. You can have that and one
1: for free. <laughs> and so, j- just real quick, there uh, you, you said about uh, Nagash. So Nuno always says, uh, d- "Don't no one needs to know how the sausage is made," but. Uh... Uh, th- there was a location on the map uh, called uh, Mount Nagasua, and uh, it-, it turns out uh, there was a ancient uh, dragon ogre under it which stomped around for a couple turns.
2: Hell yeah!
1: But uh, uh, that that ended up on the map because we were sitting in my Games Workshop location one day, me and my wife, and Katie uh, looks up at the shelf, and just out of nowhere she says, Nagasha's full name is Nagashawa. <laughs> and it just it, it stuck with me so I had, I had to
0: work that into the map yeah it's it's short for uh nagashua like like how uh you know josh is short for joshua it makes perfect yeah. sense to me yeah no this tracks i love it it also has a little so, bit of like of a pan-asian vibe which is also yeah. awesome because i've converted my nagash to have like the huge like uh big trouble little china hat and we'll soon have a katana uh very cool so, um, no. About the uh, no one needs to know how to be, how the uh, the sausage is made. This this touches on a little bit. I don't know if it was at the cold open or actually what we were talking about here live. But um, the um you said you put points on the map like Nagashua, you know this mountain or whatever. Um, and you have these little places that people kind of gravitated to on the map, and you just you just sort of put them there. I mean that's part of that like evolving back and forth that dialogue between the game master and the players that that makes. The organic nature of the storytelling so beautiful, but Stephen King actually has a quote that I, I often love, and it's the the rule of writing I see violated the the most often. Uh, no one you know no one should know how the sausage is made is one way of saying it, but he always says that explanations are anathema to the poetry of suspense. So yeah. you never want to fully explain literally anything literally uh you never want to fully explain anything it just it it ruins it you should let there be mystery you should let there be i mean this is another another quote i also love that says the same thing uh it's a meme and i believe it's from the uh the image is from the old zelda cartoon uh it's it's magic i ain't gotta explain shit um (laughs) so i like that you're holding holding to these these tenets yeah um
1: no, absolutely, and as uh, uh, as everyone in chat knows, um, you know all, all the players in chat. Uh, there, there is definitely mystery that we have uh, we have introduced, and in in this campaign, it and it, again this started from the last campaign, and it's going to carry over into three and in, in some form. But that's up to you guys to figure out how. Uh, we introduced what we call the nemesis, which. Is w- without stars
0: like that yeah, nemesis? Yeah, <laughs> just going well, around
1: <laughs> without giving anything away. Like, uh, it, it it's basically a force of uncreation. So we we were trying to think like, what what can you in a campaign that features all the grand alliances? Like, what can you have that's a a big bad that's an equal threat to everyone? And you know, more more than even chaos, it's you know a, a force that unmakes things. And that, that uh, we, we slipped it in as just uh, what, what started out as this sort of weird, mysterious illness and a, uh, a missing Lord Celestin at the beginning of the campaign uh, ended up being the, the major story beat of the last turn. And uh, for, for the last turn, we ended up, we uh, introduced what we call collaborative narrative paths. So instead of being opposed, uh, the the two coalitions are working toward the same objective. Um and the amount of reports that are submitted determines how successful they are, and uh, we after four turns, as, as again uh, chat knows, and I'm sure you can see it in in the uh, the smack talk being thrown around. Like uh, they four turns of fighting had gotten a lot of rivalries going, um, and uh, like I joked, I think in the the pilgrims chat, I was like uh, w- w- when the update dropped, I had a player uh, just type. Alex what have you done and I, I, I just reply now kiss So we, we took the coalition's that hated each other and made them have to work together and not not all of them did um, amazing which was, was was a lot of you know it, it very much lived up to the the name animosity because uh, that there was a certain amount of like well we, we talked with the other team and they say they're on board but they might
0: leave us hanging amazing no I uh that sounds awesome. Uh, real quick here we got chat um you know Prime Dominion sausage I susp- that's a fantastic hashtag. We'll get that trending on the internet real quick um. <laughs> yeah pr- Prime Dominion is gonna be the the name of animosity 3. okay um, the uh, uh, Caleb says love big troubled little China uh, I just gotta I gotta throw this out here. this is uh, oh the tyrants together right on
2: yep.
0: right on right on. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China, uh, so I, I uh, what is it, uh, Brent, I believe, from Rerolling Once just shared a tweet today, you know, what hobbies do you have outside of, of Age of Sigmar, and it's like, uh, you know, I've got some stories published, or, you know, I, I am a writer, um, I want to call myself an author yet, I've made some money, but I, I don't have like a fully non-digital published work in existence, and I've just set that as an imaginary goal for me, as like as soon as I have a physical book to show for all my efforts, then I am an author, uh, but for now I am a writer. And, um, and uh, let me tell you with my English lit education from University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire that Big Trouble in Little China is the the best, technically best script ever written. And you can at me on the internet right now, at Mr. Mr underscore meth, M-E-P-H, if you disagree. Uh, you're wrong, uh, <laughs> but everyone is entitled to their wrong opinion. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China is the best. <laughs> It's not my favorite movie, but from a script standpoint, from a writer's stance, uh, you know a lot of the stuff you uh, a lot of the stuff you, you're kind of taught when you're writing is it's all about conflict, which is something that animosity, like you said, the name kind of says it all. Conflict is at the center of all great storytelling. Um, the conflict can be as simple as uh, character wants a sandwich. What is stopping character from getting the sandwich in this scene, right? And then that yeah. conflict that occurs, like the store is closed. Well, d- damn it! Like it's Monday, it's ten o'clock. It's supposed to be open. I can't get my fucking sandwich. And like now you have conflict, right? I mean, this is every Coen's brother film ever. Is it just it takes conflict and gives it to characters that are incapable of dealing with it, which is why Coen brothers flicks are so great. That's what that's the Dude Abides, the big uh, the Big Lebowski, which might actually be my favorite movie. Um, what's the conflict? Someone pees on his rug. <laughs> like It's just like, like conflict. And you're just constantly introducing conflicts to scene to scene. And with a game like Animosity, with this campaign narrative, I mean, the, the conflict is pretty simple in terms of you have two players playing against each other. What's stopping me from getting it? The other player, right? But you've kind of Added degrees. Look at that segue. Look at that masterful segue right there. You've added degrees of conflict on top of it through the narrative, through the coalitions, uh, you know, through these GM actions, and then you know, through, through giving the players additional avenues to sort of let's say compete with each other. But yeah, compete with each yeah. other, Just sharing yeah. photos and racking up their points each turn and stuff like that. And I think that that's that's part of the genius of this. Yeah, from a, from it, a narrative, from a from a actual writing standpoint, uh, I think this is brilliant.
1: Yeah, no, and it it is a it is a competitive experience. Like it it's it's still a war game, you're still supposed to be waging a war and you're still trying to win it. So from from that standpoint it it very much is a competitive
0: uh, endeavor. And then uh it's uh, it's hard to fight fully explaining things. Uh, as a world builder, it's the hardest habit to fight constantly. And then Caleb Kane, this is a kind of a back and forth that happened here in chat that I think is pertinent. Uh, show, don't tell, I feel kind of goes a long way to that too. So yeah, show, don't tell is another tenet of, of writing as well as like a good film. Um, and as a GM, as a writer, um, I mentioned before like how you put stuff on the map and like you didn't necessarily have like, you know, like, hey, let's put this on here. And then people like really gravitated towards it, so then you have to come up with, you know, the why, even if you never reveal the why, right? Um, For me, one of my big struggles as a world builder as a writer, is I do want to tell you just how clever the thing that just happened truly is, but you gotta fight it. You can't reveal all the secrets to what makes it such a cool thing. Um, You know, we all have those moments when you you build a world and you're like, I just want to tell you how awesome the thing is that's going on. You don't even know. know! But you gotta fight it, you gotta fight it, and you gotta show them the sort of Uh, zoomed out view without getting into the you know what's behind the the curtain right
1: yeah and uh there's a uh uh, just a reference to people in chat so uh tectonic dan uh i asked him like he he had been asking like you know in the run-up he's like is there anything i can do to do to help and i was working on the map i was like just just give me a list of names that i can populate this map with and he went above and beyond and came up with a bunch of really cool descriptions. I'm like, oh, th- these are neat. But it, it was just like one paragraph each. And uh, I, I added most of them into the map. And uh, uh, so we, we, uh, we certainly want to have that level of word- world building already in place. Uh, but yeah, that, then through player actions, like things, and, and the, the unfolding narrative, uh, a lot of those things that Dan thought up uh, as just uh, you know silly little hooks um, that people could play around with became something much bigger. So, uh, Kai Leonis, who you've mentioned, who I know is in chat, uh, so like one of Dan's uh, additions was uh, uh, Orca, which is a basically an anglerfish that's also a giant squig. Metal. Um, so, but, <laughs> but, but by the end of the campaign, uh, the the lake was drained, so all the water was gone. But then it was refilled with Aether Sea, so everything was flying. Uh, so then uh, I'm pretty sure Kai uh, who is a bretonian ghost charged the Urwhale, which was the the corpse of a dead god beast uh, charged that while riding orca I believe I read that
0: right <laughs> um, so I just hear a heavy metal riff in the background right now just
2: down in hell <laughs> like
0: hell yeah.
1: Basically, basically. <laughs> We're we're taking Warhammer back to its uh, to its uh, metal album cover roots.
0: Yeah, you got to get the like the Black Sabbath, Iron Maiden, like Dio, like cover work. I mean, if you don't evoke that with your story in Warhammer, what are you even doing? That's I think that's ultimately the problem I have with Forty K, is that like I don't get like I don't get the heavy metal album cover uh, cover from it, and I know some people disagree with it, but I'm like ah, it doesn't quite maybe a little more prevalent. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit more like uh, like prog rock now, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, so catching back up with chat. Uh, Leonis, uh says, in many ways, you're also competing against yourself to push harder, do more, write better, and the normal plot and uh, trying to get into meta plot. So I, I actually think that, that this is, I mean, even in my match play sort of tournament experience, my first opponent is always myself. In content creation, my first opponent is me. Like, I am a, a person who is constantly sort of fighting with myself to be better. Um, that helps motivate me. I think your mileage may vary as an, as an individual with, with something like that. Um, but I do think it's a, it, it's giving people more avenues to interact with a, a story is just always the right way to go about it. Um, Nuno... Uh, I was discussing with Alex whether players should be able to explore the locations on the map in the first turn, and Alex pushed to shove coalition against each other immediately. He was right.
2: Gotta
0: <laughs> yeah. get that conflict right. Um, it starts with conflict.
2: Um, well, and and
0: as I
1: explained to Nuno, the old uh, the old fantasy campaigns were map based, and uh, you know I'm, I'm sure Kai is screaming in the chat because he remembers this what would happen is, like, the first four turns, because the, the old campaigns would run literally, like, three months, and the first month would just be diplomacy and sort of, like, eating up the empty spots on the map and just sort of jockeying around each other until, like, like one one coalition would finally poke another one. I'm just like, nope, you're fighting.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and then I, I did not design diplomacy into this at all, but literally the first turn, I'm like, all right, you're fighting over a storm vault. And the Perpetual and the Expedition are like, no, we're not. We're we're going to make a treaty and we're going to share it.
0: <laughs> we're going to
1: be best friends. Amazing. I'm just like, uh, okay, that that happened. All right.
0: Amazing, cool. amazing flashbacks. <laughs> says Sky Leonis. Um, yeah. Let's see where uh, where was I? G uh, G-Dead says uh, this is at me now. Tell us how cool this gave an invasion to Anvil Guard was going to be. This is referencing my Soulbound game that's been going on uh, on okay. Fridays. Uh to answer your question, G. Dad, it was going to be so cool, but they thwarted that. I mean, it was going to be a real invasion. And now it's just like a distraction. So, right. dang it, you—you you know, there's that wanting to explain your your how clever your big goddamn plot was, right? Um, but you gotta you gotta leave the mystery. Just uh, like a kid in the candy store with that combo. <laughs> I charged the hell out of the ur whale, a <laughs> giant angry mangler fish. <laughs> mangler fish, squig. Well, I believe we have new art to get commissioned, the heavy metal album cover for Animosity. I support this. I, uh, I, I uh, yeah. yeah. So
1: I, I I, would be remiss if I did not mention that the, uh, the, the big bad, uh, we, we wrapped that story up with a a Lord Celestin literally saying, you've been thunderstruck. So.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That, yeah. That was
1: literally the, the apex of the Kanata uh, <laughs> plot.
0: So, you know what? That's awesome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I had a lot of fun writing that. That's
0: amazing. Like, uh, uh, what was the. Uh, Pacific Rim. Yeah. Uh, we won't talk about Pacific Rim 2. I've never seen it. Um, maybe it's good. No. I don't know. But Pacific Rim it's 1 not. is just one big punchline it's a Jaeger bomb. <laughs> like, that's the punchline. <laughs> I see what you did there. It's a Jaeger but bo- That's the punchline. I'm like, <laughs> yes! Yes! <laughs> like, like, they stop an alien invasion by giving it a Jaeger bomb? You're right. Jaeger bombs do ruin my night. <laughs> like, they go awesome initially, but then they always spiral from there. <laughs> when you put it that way. um, I love Hilmar Thunderstruck. Or <laughs> long live Hilmar Thunderstruck.
1: Yeah, that that, that was the the Lord Celestin was... Uh... Omar Thunderstruck so uh oh, I like we, that. we gave him that line I like that <laughs> like I, I, I knew I, I had to have him
0: say that <laughs> fantastic it seems like your players are super receptive of of what you did so you guys I mean yeah. did did some excellent work there um, no,
1: we, we couldn't ask for better and, and just just on that note there is on Spotify there's an animosity uh playlist which is all music that has inspired me since way back when and
0: uh uh, Thunderstruck is on it. So, see, I, I um, I often listen to music when I'm I'm getting in the mood of, of writing myself. Um, actually, every title for every adventure in this the Soulbound campaign I'm running is a music title. Nice. So uh, I can respect that. Yeah, the first one was the Big Come Down, which is a Nine Inch Nails song. Uh, I had uh the Wretched, which is also a Nine Inch Nails song. I've um, been listening to a lot of Nine Inch Nails. It turns out. Uh, you mentioned, like, how you have the, the nemesis, right? Um, which is this sort of unmaking. Um, I think you've done something that's really clever with having a, a uniform bad guy, right? Um, there's a lot of fun to be had in, in playing in the Shades of Grey. But to have, like, the the end point, you know, to have that, like, sort of that Kafka or or, or, yeah. or Sephiroth or that, that thing that you is just is just the bad is really important. Age of Sigmar is actually doing this to a lesser extent. Um, with their sort of yearly unfurling uh, games themselves, you know, it was Nagash was the big bad evil guy, which is which is kind of interesting because yeah. he doesn't usually take that main sort of that main seat very often. Uh, now we're kind of moving, kind of rotating into where it's back with Archeon, and I think we're going to see Slanesh very shortly. Having that uniform bad guy from a storytelling stance in 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 a you know a linear thing that you read is very very important when you're talking animosity with which is played in three dimensions with multiple sort of actors. um, It's good to have that umbrella. And I think that's really, really awesome too. Uh, I suspect that this is going to carry into animosity three, so I won't ask for spoilers, but yeah. Uh, No, it's, it's, it's going to be a recurring theme. Uh, But, but
1: what uh, I also want to stress for, for the players in chat, like what form it takes uh, next time around, it is going to be different. Like it's, it's not going to be the same thing over again. So even though there there will be an aspect of that there, you know, it'll be up to you guys to figure it out again. Uh, but uh, and and we the, the last two blurbs in the unfolding narrative uh, do actually tease tease
0: that and what what it's going to look like next time. Mm-hmm. See, so, I love uh, Velatron's here says uh, Alex and the team pulled out the most amazing narrative event I've ever taken part. Um, I'm hooked and am looking forward. Uh, to the little soldier in animosity 3. So, I mean that that's I mean think about like the the struggles you kind of had had this this year I think with you know just the practical the the practical aspect we've all had to kind of struggle with in our lives um of what what isolation and a, a global pandemic means um that you were able to sort of adapt and, and and use it to your benefit really. I think really speaks volume to to the the sort of efforts you put in and of course the sort of team you had behind you. Now that's something I do want to kind of talk about is this is a massive undertaking. You're talking you know 200 uh, 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 200 submissions a week or whatever uh, or reports I'm sorry a week. Uh, You had to have like a a solid team and I know uh, Nuno's here in chat. Um, It's you. Um, Do you want to give us an idea of like the scope of the sort of um, the 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 gears the cogs that, that make this machine work that that you know obviously you're you're a big part of uh, and you you yeah. certainly had had some help like what, what kind of help did you need for this kind of undertaking how many how many chefs did you need on the line <laughs> uh,
1: so we we have seven people on the team including myself um, uh, my buddy Peter and I we do most of the writing um, well not most we we do basically all the writing with help from uh, Help from Nuno and help from uh, Warboss Kurgan. So, like a lot of the, uh, the the big locations around the map, so your your Bolliani, Satreya, Satrea, et etc. Uh, that was that was uh, Kurgan actually who wrote those in the first place. Uh, so Kurgan helps with uh, sort of front end development um, and and just being a, a wise and sage person. Um, uh, Nuno uh, pulled weight with. Uh, uh, doing promotional uh, work and getting the word out there, and and just generally being a cheerleader, we we wouldn't have gotten over the finish line this year without Nuno. So we we absolutely owe this to him. Uh, so thank you for that, Nuno.
0: You even um, had a, a freaking theatrical trailer, which was pretty epic. <laughs> yeah, and, and that, that,
1: that was 100. Like the the old campaigns had them, and like I had reached out to the guy who did them back then, but then uh, he he flaked out on me, and I was just like, yeah, whatever. And yeah, like that—that that was 100% Nuno's vision and execution. That—that that was not me at all. So that, that was uh, really great to see. Yeah, amazing. Um, uh, as I mentioned before, my uh, my lovely wife uh, drew the the map and also did the teaser image for uh, Animosity three. Um, uh, a a big shout out to to Cosgrove. So, uh, one one of our team members, Cosgrove, like his his job originally when I recruited him. Was going to be tabletop rules development, but then so like uh, all the figureheads were supposed to have custom war scrolls, but uh, with a really limited gaming aspect that didn't happen. Um, But he he jumped in and uh, he became the the Discord moderator, Uh, and he like I think it became this like weird point of pride with him that he read everything in every. Discord channel like all campaign long to to make sure y'all were behaving in there (laughs) Um, which I absolutely did not do because uh, like literally players were were with the time zones players were working in shifts like you had the morning crew and then you you had the afternoon crew and then they would summarize for like when when the morning crew came back around and uh, you know it it was just an around the clock uh, thing it's kind of amazing um, cause they, each coalition had their own private, uh, uh, communication channels, uh, in, in the discord. So, <clears throat> and the, the, those are still up and players are still, still, uh, actively <laughs> communicating and like they, they're, they're figuring out their, their post game storyline and narrative and like, uh, what, what that's going to be going
2: into next time.
0: That's amazing. So animosity three, do you know roughly when that's going to happen? Like it is going to happen. You've talked about it. You got some of the, the groundwork working already, but but when it, when is, when are we blocking off our calendars next year?
1: Uh, so right now we're just leaving it to summer twenty twenty one because we we don't know even what the year is going to look like.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's
1: the... uh, so so yeah. It, that that's what's on the poster. Just sometime between between June and uh, what we kicked off uh, early August. Yeah, so sometime around July. Uh, and, and before, I, before I move too far on there uh, he, in a way our, our most important team member is actually uh, uh, Nick aka Byfear, um who he, he does our game engine which I know is has been a, a source of uh, confusion and mystery for a lot of players but our, our game engine that actually crunches all this stuff uh, that that's 100% built by uh, by Nick so he he's kind of the the functional artificial heart of uh, that that makes everything
0: else work. So mm-hmm. uh, quietus wood says, "Shout out to Mura, too." Mira M U R A. I'm not certain who that is.
1: Uh, well, so she she isn't uh, on on the team, but she uh, did chip in on uh going going into the end game. Uh, we. Uh, the the ur uh, uh rose up on the Aether Sea, and Nuno did another uh, trailer with, with his own uh, his own art for the, the ur the This god-beast corpse rising up into the sky uh, with, with Gut-Rot Spoons, rot kraken attaching cables to it at the same time.
0: Dun-a-nu! <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: so, uh, uh, but yeah, uh, Mira helped with uh, the art on that. Awesome. Uh, But yeah, no, it it was definitely a team effort and it it couldn't have been pulled off without, uh, any one of, uh, again, the seven of us. Yes. For, for anyone out there who watches the boys, we we are the seven. (laughs) All right. Anyway, just, just a quick reference in there. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, so yeah, we, we had a really good team. I had a really good team and then we, we collectively as a team couldn't have asked for, for better players. Hmm. Uh, you know, I've said it several times now, but you guys are amazing. Well,
0: I mean that <laughs> driving that organic interest in the growing the community kind of, I'm going to say the right way versus the wrong way, but that sort of organic um, direct growth of a community, I think really pays dividends as you get to d- develop and go forward. And obviously you had the groundwork for something like this going back what you know 10 words 10 years worth of warhammer fantasy battle but to to kind of port that into age of sigmar maintain some of your sort of tenets from then and then just kind of evolve it into this this new quite this new big world uh do you think that the age of sigmar universe being such a blank slate compared to like say the warhammer fantasy world that was do you think that's been a good thing or a bad thing or or maybe a mix of both
1: uh, so I'd say it's, it's uh, apples and oranges because what Animosity did back in the day uh, was it explored parts of the map that Games Workshop abandoned. Because, I mean, for the most part, everything was the Empire and a little bit of Britonia and sometimes Lizardman country. Um, but uh, Animosity started by exploring uh, Araby and then it went to Cathay and then it went to Estalia uh, and it ended up in Kislev. Uh, so that there was never an animosity that actually took place in the old world. I think the closest they got was the the Sea of Claws, which was north of the Empire.
0: So you were already kind of uh, filling in uh, filling in the tapestry yeah. that was a little a little left yeah. left a little bit blank by by GW because I mean they one of the big criticisms I hear for Age of Sigmar lore is like oh there's not a whole lot of them. like well it's new <laughs> you know like give them some, some well, things.
1: Well and and at this point five years in I would which that this literally we, we announced Animosity 2 on the, the five year anniversary day mm-hmm. um, I, I wouldn't even say that that's necessarily true like I, I have so many Age of Sigmar Black Library novels like my, my reading stack is literally off the shelf at this point like the, the lore is there people just need to actually go go read it like I think the difference is is that Warhammer Fantasy had what well, by, by the time they killed it you know it, it had eight editions worth of just seeping into the general consciousness Mm-hmm. So like I'm, I'm building, uh, now, now that I finished the Tyrant, I, I switch gears, uh, and I'm putting, uh, some Lumineth together here and, uh, I, I've read the Battletome. I, I'm going to pick up the, uh, the novel that, that's coming out, um, and add that on the stack of stuff I haven't read. Um, but I, I, I love their lore, but I mean, their lore is what?
0: two months old at this point, you know, no, no one it, it hasn't
1: gotten into the consciousness of the player
2: base
0: yet. Right, I mean this is, I mean it's interesting because like, uh, this is what I call the get-goodening of of, uh, of uh, the, the sort of timeline, it's kind of like the quickening from Highlander uh, yeah. as the game goes on the average skill of the player raises uh, I call it the get-goodening, I think that the consciousness of, of lore also increases that sort of lore IQ also increases as, as time progresses, the uh, you know the cat, the quote-unquote casual who's never read a Black Library book or even their Battle Tome, just knows more, you know, yeah. points of lore as the game progresses. I think that's a very important thing that we kind of need to give ourselves a break a little bit on in terms I, of the, in, ter- it, yeah. in terms of the community and stuff, like
1: because that that will that'll, that'll creep up just in in your normal game store conversation. And I mean, I've learned a lot about the the Horse Heresy books, and I've only read the the first. Uh, like I don't know, like the first five or whatever, because that's all that really interested me. But I've picked up plenty from the others, uh, just from you know people talking about it. And it's it's interesting for me to hear this this back and forth, like about the different Space Marine legions and, and everything, because you know Horus Heresy is in its current form only goes back about ten years. Mm-hmm. Like I, I remember when it was just like, well, Horus betrayed the Emperor and.
0: Siege of Terra. I'm yeah, like, Well, that's it. Kill, <laughs> that killed, killed. <happened. laughs> yeah, killed, killed my boy Sanguinius, That douchebag. Like, uh...
1: yeah, like you, you, you had, you had the the betrayal at Istvan, and then you had the Siege of Terra, and like that's it. That's your Horus Heresy. Yeah. You
0: know,
1: so, but but again, you you can see very organically like how they've written a bunch of fresh lore, and then how that's, you know, that that's seeping into the consciousness as players talk about. It. Yeah. yeah yeah i, I think agent Sigmar just needs more time for that to happen and it's it's going to continue to happen as you know as they fill in the world because like you even you know i just built this tyrant but if you go back um not not that long ago Gutbusters basically didn't you know we had models but they didn't exist in the war
2: mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm. you know but they, they are getting in there
0: right but Right. Uh, before I bury this comment too much, uh, uh, Velatron, uh, says question to Alex, will the little soldier keep us busy until a three?
1: Uh, so j- just touch on that real quick. So you know what he's talking about. So uh, I'm as a content creator yourself, uh, you, you can probably tell me I'm making a terrible mistake. Uh, but I, I do want to get into uh, content creation, uh, just with my own hobby projects and, uh, you know share a lot of the creativity that ironically you know for the last two months i haven't really been able to do because i've been running the campaign
0: no no it happens <laughs>
1: like, like I'm, I'm sitting here building my models that i've been staring at since before this started um uh but yeah so uh the little soldier um i mean it, it won't be as interactive
0: as uh you know as animosity well so real then, quick what is the little soldier in case it, for folks who yeah don't, yeah for, for, for folks who don't know and then answer uh,
1: so so the little soldier is basically going to be um if you've watched uh, uh, uh how can i describe this so if, you, if you've seen anything of anthony bourdain's like parts on love like it's, love bourdain yeah it, it it's that except with me in wargaming and i i don't mean that to sound egotistical at all but like that that's basically the premise is just me talking about my hobby as
0: as i live it so oh. this is the second rant cast in a row we've talked about anthony bourdain now <laughs> so <laughs> he's just uh, he's got uh, whatever's going on in the zeitgeist he's on everyone's mind but brilliant yeah yeah, yeah so okay yeah.
1: um so yeah that, that's basically what it's gonna be so what what we're i, I say we because i'm so used to talking about you know the team what i will be working on uh to start with uh is what i'm calling a a tale of uh one more lord times four so it's it's me taking on four army projects at once mm-hmm. uh and that that's actually what i'm working on right now so i'm gonna have it's going to be set in the aftermath of Animosity Two, uh, but um, uh, so I'm going to be working on. Uh, it's going to be a Path to Glory campaign, so just uh, small numbers of units, but it's going to be uh, uh, Vicardo Valencia um, and his uh, Greywater Fastness uh, army. Right wow. on. Allied with the Seventh Legion of Syar, which is actually a, a player army that he uh, gave me his blessing. Plas- blessing to paint my models as um so that that's gonna be one one faction uh and then we're gonna have uh beast claw raiders we're gonna have uh flesh eater
0: courts and we're gonna have uh corn blood bound i'm happy you've got a you've got a death army in there so thank you yeah (laughs)
1: um (laughs) yeah no i mean all all the grand alliances are are represented there so four grand alliances for four factions um but, uh, so yeah, it's, it's literally just going to be path to glory of me, uh, you know, assembling, painting, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully getting to, to pit
0: some of these models against each other. Okay. So, I mean, essentially, this is your your aspirations. Uh, little, the Little yeah. Soldier is essentially your aspirations to, to build some content that's sort of yeah. going your own, right on.
1: Yeah. The, the, the Little Soldier is very much me and my personal hobby, uh, and... Even though that that's going to have a cross section with animosity, it's it's not animosity. It's a totally separate entity. That's just me.
0: Right on. Um, <laughs> if I may, uh, yeah, one hundred percent do it. Um, by the way, you have you have a good cadence with your voice. So uh, oh. I mean, it's not quite Doug. I mean, Doug is like no, the no. the sultry <laughs> Baron of the airwaves, but uh, the, uh, the
1: the David, David Attenborough <laughs> of uh, Age of Sigmar. Yeah. yeah,
0: it's it's Doug and Hay- oh I think have the two the two greatest voices yeah. in our. They just have that like that baritone, but but Doug's got that like a little bit of the like that, that of that like he's got a little. It's a little. It's got a little sultry.
1: Yeah. No, I I, I did uh, going into this, and a lot of our players uh, we we owe to uh, to Doug. Like uh, no, I, I did about thirty minutes with him, and I. I'm, literally... <laughs> I don't, I don't I'm still that.
0: waiting for the only friends ASMR Doug uh, Doug Page personally, but <laughs> just like. <laughs>
1: um i derailed right. myself
2: <laughs> yeah i derailed the whole show I,
1: I, I, i'm i'm just thinking about i'm thinking about doug's only fans now thanks yeah i don't know
0: what I before <You're>...
1: appreciate that
0: <laughs> never fall asleep to aos uh con uh retrospective asmr before yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, so that that was actually the, the comment I was going to throw in there. Is, uh, during the campaign, I actually sent an at to uh, Haywo, but he, he didn't answer it, uh, which was a screenshot of one of our players uh, making the comment, uh, if we want to stay competitive in the narrative, we need to take that town. <laughs> and that, that's just the most beautiful thing I've ever read. You know, yeah. a- after the last, you know, what, three or four years of just the the Twitter dialogue of narrative versus uh, competitive I don't like it. play. No, I, I don't either. I, I don't feel there's necessarily there, yeah, like, there needs to be a distinction there. But right, right, and that, that that's why I love that comment so much. Like you know, if if we want to stay competitive in the narrative, yeah, like that's just beautiful. To me. No,
0: it's that. it's a it's a it's that sort of two two worlds uh, you know in harmony. <laughs> so. I like that the uh, heyo ASMR stuff is uh, here. Uh, Soren says my darling uses his select an army video to sleep. <laughs> Just saying. Oh god. <laughs> I've opened a can of worms. Oh, um, yeah, I I, um, I, I have like a radio voice I do for ads when I when I do them and uh, and when I hear it I'm like who the fuck is that guy? Because it's like that really like hammy like tune in. What the fuck, man.
1: So I I can feel my players flinching every time you swear because we oh we I'm sorry strict, we had a very strict no swearing policy on the Discord so
0: yeah uh, <laughs> honor honor his no swearing policy everybody but um I'm uh, uh this is a mature uh, show yeah. it's got the mature label on on everything uh, I've got my uh, it's one of the things that keeps me from growing uh as as yeah. huge as I could but uh I know that. As a parent with two kids, I'm, like, okay <laughs> at censoring myself around them. And then they're like, right. Dad, that's a naughty word. And I'm like, <laughs> yep, I'm sorry. Yeah, And, and then, like, the, the English lit major in me goes, like, there's no such thing as bad words, only bad context and bad usage and, like... Well, there is there's there's a couple real, like truly bad words, but like for the most part, swears aren't not bad words. What no, not... no. So
3: <laughs>
0: don't well, censor I, me, and... child. What do you know about the world? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Well, and so I,
1: I actually adopted that because the last two years I've spent gaming in a games workshop location, and uh, it that that has a very they have a very strict uh, no swearing what? policy, and I. Com- compared to the, the local friendly quote unquote friendly local game store that I came from before and I think you, you mentioned uh, Paul's name in chat so he knows what I'm talking about like I feel like the, the no swearing helps create a more positive community mm-hmm. because again like if I go to the the FLGS like it's just people swearing all the time and they uh...
0: well, I, I think it's important because I mean you don't know people's plights and stuff and so like I, I drop F-bombs pretty freely and like um, if you know me, you, you know how like amicable I am and outgoing and pretty like, um, but if you don't and you're just standing there walking into the store and you hear me dropping like three F-bombs in a row, like yeah. that could seem like a hostile environment. And I think what's some lead, there's sort of a, we've kind of lost sight of a little bit, the sort of uh, child gamer like growing up and growing into our community, I think we've there are some it can, you know there are some initiatives like we have the like young bloods tournaments and we have uh, uh, now we've got that like Warhammer kids sort of comic and manga type stuff going around like there are some drives for it with with the uh, with the GW store actually kind of making it more approachable by having some no swearing policies I think all that stuff is very very good again context like what is the context where are you is very very important my show has a mature label on it because we talk about some heavy subjects. Um, I'm not going to parent your children when they come here and, and hear me talk about, um, you know, mental health and suicide and things like that. Like your, yeah. my show is not equipped to screen that for a child. That's why the mature tag is there. Um, so, yeah, and
1: then, I, I think it's it's perfectly, uh, it, it's it's what I put. So I, I there there's a locked rules channel. And, like, for, for uh, politics and religion, like, I put there, like, there, there is a time and place for it, and it's not here,
2: mm-hmm. you know? Yeah.
1: And I, th- I think with everything, like, you're saying, you know, your, your channel is a time and place for that, and that, that's perfectly fine.
0: Right, so, and, um, and Doug's got a no-swearing policy. He made the decision really early on in this content. Um, Vince is got another one of those no-swearing po- uh, sort of policies, and my yeah. greatest fear was I was just going to drop, like, F-bombs left and right when I was on his show the first time. I'm just like, mm-hmm. I'm going to swear... So much. And and we, we know Honest Wargamer does not have uh, any compunction about that. Well, that's... I mean, British, right? Like, it's a little bit different. And, you know, and... Uh, I don't know. It's interesting. It's because those, it's those things that you got to think about. Um, is it lighthearted? Is it angry? Is it... Uh, Velatron with 2,000 bitties says, Thanks, gents. Really enjoying the show. Thank you so much for the bitties. Um,
2: yeah, I... I, I uh, and
1: I, I I need to get Caleb's uh, swear in here real quick uh, in in my apparent radio voice here. Gut rots moldering
0: loincloth is <laughs> <What? laughs> <laughs> my favorite uh, in character swear. yeah yeah, yeah I, see I'm the, with the, the soulbound show I have been trying to mitigate my my language a lot um but there's a difference between like you see a huge you see a huge maw crusher you the, you see this maw crusher it's fucking huge <laughs> like i don't need to <laughs> yeah it's
2: a, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's a well... gargantuan beast like it's a galley's height like... <laughs>
1: yeah. uh so that there uh my my wife and i Katie we I'd say we play a lot of Borderlands 3, but that was mostly before Animosity consumed me. Uh, But, yeah, there's a a line delivery in there, which is, uh, it's a big fucking dinosaur. (laughs) You know, that's what you you reminded me of. Like, there's just no other way to really Sometimes,
0: Right, right. Like, sometimes. uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, language and and uh, and writing and dialogue and those things are things I often think about. But um, my show was more about. I don't need to honk my own show while you're on it, but a lot more going for yeah. like uh, the authentic me, and yeah. the authentic me is one type of way. And it's like I don't. It's it's hard to like filter myself and my passion and all these things and on my weird tangents and rants and i think about the it, the, it is called rant cast so. right right and you got the uh the happy gilmore scene where he's swearing at the ball and i'm like when i was i don't remember how young i was when i saw happy gilmore like the ball won't go to its home and it cuts to the camera and just bleeping every other word um did you not see this movie i, I have not Oh my gosh. It's one of the fun this is why this is why you don't have... you have a no swearing policy. You never knew the joy of Happy Gilmore swearing at a golf ball. Um <laughs> I mean... or the like early Adam Sandler movie, you had like Billy Madison yeah. and yeah. No,
1: I, I so I have seen Billy Madison multiple times, uh 'cause uh yeah. yeah. No. early early Adam Sandler is something the wife has forced me to watch, so yeah,
0: disgusting. I, I get it. It's I don't like. I can't defend Adam Sandler these days, but I can't deny the like impressionable youth I was, thinking that him fighting Bob Barker was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, and and to, so while we're talking about movies, I have to jump way back and say that I, I think the I I would argue with you about uh, the the best script in that. I feel it's uh, Mad Max: Fury Road, but technically, that was not a script. That was a massive storyboard. So
0: yeah, yeah. So uh, so win on technicality here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so
1: that that movie had no script? Um...
0: No, I mean Mad Max was was uh, Fury Road is I think I'd hazard to say like I mean that's in that that category of best movie, you know, yeah. like. Uh, I would never call Big Trouble in Little China the best movie. I, I, I right. specifically <laughs> isolate out the script yeah. because of the the sort of marvel of like writing that it was working on. Even the like the trope that they were making fun of at the time, which was the trend in the eighties. You got to remember, is like you know white guy goes to Asia and saves the day, right? Like the we yeah. had that whole sl- slew of schlock films like that. And Jack Burton is way out of his element and like comedic relief, while this entire plot he has no business being in. Like, unfurls <laughs> around him, right? Um, like, the first thing he does in the in the climactic fight at the end is shoot the ceiling and knock himself out. Like, <laughs>
2: like he just... <laughs>
0: right. um, and they set up the, like, the, the sort of deus ex machina, it's all in the reflexes really early on, where he just unintentionally, they give right. him this one-liner, so it's just like this this... I lo- I I can't I
1: can't I, I I agree with with what you're saying there so.
0: No a big mm-hmm. but but Fury Road is I mean this is if you're like what is you know what is peak action movie of substance I'm like Fury Road um and yeah,
1: yeah and, I mean I I think I think in my, in my own writing and you know maybe this will re- resonate with the players in chat um you know I, I think I I wanted to try to emulate some of that that feeling you get if if you have seen Fury Road, which you absolutely absolutely should. Yeah, stop the show right now and go
0: watch it and then come back (laughs) to (laughs) Um,
1: Which, uh, you know, is just that sort of relentless... uh, I mean, there was a breather in the middle of the film, but still just that sort of relentless uh, high-stakes pace where where you end up exhausted by the end of it. You know, and I I thought that was very much what I was trying to go for. Uh, And and there were certainly... Uh, you know, bringing the conversation back around to to animosity, like
0: there, in hindsight, there were certainly missteps. Look at, uh, look, at were, look at you made. being look at that segue. You're ready to be a content creator. You got it, man. Let's go. <laughs> Thanks.
1: <laughs> um, but no, the, there there were missteps and and story beats that didn't land, uh, you know, just right. But a, a lot of, you know, and we we've talked about this in uh, what we call uh, the cave. Um, you know, a, a lot of what we learned in this campaign, like to do it better, we had to have this growing experience, and we, we had to do it this time to be able to make it better next time. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just stuff that we, you know, we, we tried our best, and some things worked and some things didn't. And you know, we'll, we'll next time we'll learn more, but uh, you know, a, a lot of re- reading through a lot of the feedback because we, we opened channels for an autopsy, you know, and let, let everyone uh, you know, say their piece, and we, we wanted that feedback. Um, but I, I am very confident that uh, most everything that players have raised as issues are things that we can and will address next time.
0: Uh, you know, we, we already have solutions in the works and we know what we need to do better. <laughs> uh, uh, Kale Leonis, uh, right now I am tired enough. I might only be able to hashtag charge some things. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, pace is, is uh, I think pace is the most important part of, uh, of like, that sort of interactive game experience, like pace in video games, pace in, in tabletop RPGs, pace in a campaign, pace of play in uh, in an actual match play game, or even like you talk about like Exploding Kittens or some of these like uh, board games that like are really popular around my house. The reason they're engaging and that we enjoy them so much is pace, pacing and pacing. It's just, um, it's one of those things that's near impossible to... Like, just write it, you know, and like, oh, and then the beat happens here and the beat happens here, and, and like, it's like a music, like, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. <laughs> you think it's going to be like music, and you're like, oh, that beat didn't land at all. And so now it, it went duh, duh, nee, flatlined, duh. Mm-hmm. And so, like, your, your pace is, is one of those things that you're just always kind of aware of, and being aware of it is one of the biggest parts of it. Uh, and then from there, it's, you know, getting better with time, stacking successes, learning your own style, learning your audience. Audience, something that lands, a beat that lands for one audience could completely miss another. Um, you know, this is, you know, this is GMing. I'm I getting to the point where, like, as a GM, I'm casting my parties these days because <laughs> I'm trying to look for the right personality types to go together for, like, the the story I want to tell, as opposed to just being like, oh, everyone come play my game. Or, like, first yeah, five right. people to sign up, come play my game. That's it, It's such a challenge. And I think with... I mean, you have essentially like an open sign-up style. I mean, you have this this big undertaking, this big challenge of being like, okay, now I've got, you know, two hundred reports a week from players, and uh, you know, I know many of them, but I may not know all of them. And you know, are are they going to buy into the heavy metal uh, ur whale in the sky thing? Oh, yeah. Are they gonna Are <laughs> they gonna be along for some of this stuff? And I think a lot of that comes from honesty and storytelling. Right. If you are sincere in what you are trying to evoke. If you're sincere in what you're trying to deliver from the from the beginning, I think your players respond to that. Um, yeah. You know. And uh, and that's why I swear, because I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on. you you're
1: you're an honest war gamer.
0: Ah, uh, <laughs> ouch. No, no. I'll leave that to I'll leave that to better folks more 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 honest than myself. Uh, Fair. Um. So and
1: and just just to to go on a rant of my own here. Um. That that was something that was really amazing to see was. Uh, the the amount of players returning and, and uh you have already said rantcast is a safe space so i'm i'm going to dip into some dark humor here uh the amount of players returning that i knew um especially those that i knew personally um i could count on my remaining fingers um sorry i i had to get the dark humor in there mm-hmm. um but uh, yeah, so it, it was really great seeing so many people that I, I genuinely, you know, I, I don't know before this. And then watching... Um, I, I, I had to quote Vin Diesel in a tweet I made on the, the official Twitter <laughs> account uh, where, where I said was that... Was it I am um, Groot? No, <laughs> no uh, that, that uh, you know, Animosity uh, doesn't have friends. Uh, we, we have family. Uh, you know, get get that Fast and Furious reference in there because it, it was really great seeing the different coalitions uh, gel together in in their own like really unique ways. Um, and you know, I, I unfortunately the uh, the Undivided, the sort of generic Chaos faction, uh, didn't really have enough players to uh, to really have that chemistry. And I, I'm I'm genuinely sorry about that because uh, you know I feel like those players missed out. Uh, but you know, in, in the, the pretty much every other coalition had this really great chemistry, but each of them was also really different. And like you were saying about, you know, we're holding a D&D game where, or a role-playing game where it's, you know, first however many people to sign up, you know, that, that is how the coalitions were formed. It was just, you know, join whatever you want. And then seeing how the, those personalities came together, uh, you know, and, and especially in the case of the, the perpetual in particular come to mind, you know, really creating, uh, creating a family. Uh, and the pilgrimage too. Everyone, honestly, uh, you know, just some really great groups of people with their own sort of chemistry and dynamic.
0: So, so if I may, regarding your chaos undivided problem, yeah, you got to be specific. Um, undivided is a broad term. So uh, Miyazaki, <clears throat> I don't know if you watch anime at all. I'm trying to get references in here that that you might yeah. know. But Miyazaki was once asked, "Why do you make films for like Why do you always make a?" Films about magical little girls, or, or four little girls, or whatever, uh, you know, Spirited no, Away. I uh, was going
1: to say Spirited Away is uh, Katie's favorite movie of all time. So Prin- some-
0: Princess Princess Mononoke, Castle in the Sky, like uh, Nausica like all of these are like essentially plots about little girls and magic. Almost, yeah. we won't talk about Grave of the Fireflies. Um, but like almost universally, and he was asked, "Why do you do this?" And he said, "When you, when you." Write something for everybody, you don't find an audience. When you write something for one person, you get an audience. And and you said it in a very, far more eloquently than I can I can possibly uh, uh, you know paraphrase the quote as, but essentially that like uh, chaos undivided, and I think one of the, the struggles with like slaves of darkness are really freaking awesome. I mean they are heavy metal dot army right like dot JPEG. Yeah. It's but <laughs> but when you're talking about like from a narrative. It's it's such a broad stroke that it's hard to like pick a sort of resonant detail and cling to that, and then from there you get all the people who sort of see it and interpret it and go in their different directions. You know, like oh, what's you know what's this to me? So, I mean, it's well, a so, go ahead. Yeah. Uh,
1: uh, so uh, undivided that that was it, it. It was really it was really kind of sad for me seeing uh, their their sort of. Uh, uh, narrative fall a little bit flat uh, because it was actually going into it. It was the the primary narrative that, besides the meta plot, uh, that carried over from the previous campaign. So in in Animosity One, uh, the the Undivided were very much divided in that we had two Chaos factions, and it was two two Var- Varengard, um Earcut the Spineless, and uh, Karang Sarn, and. Um, Irkut the spineless dug a enlightenment engine that hadn't been modified by Grunni, so it was you know a genuine Teclisian enlightenment engine, and he he dug that up out of the ruins and uh, ended up carrying it over into this campaign, and so basically what what we did in the story was that a a character that we literally called the the emissary, which was an emissary from Archaon, um, another Varen guard, showed up and knocked their heads together, and they're like, hey, you guys are going to work together because you know you you might have found the secrets to uh god binding that the the elves use to bind Slaanesh. so a big plot that i i had kind of you know you, you were saying about your your skaven invasion there and that not happening like something that could have happened but didn't uh was that um the uh the undivided wouldn't end up using this enlightenment engine to uh uh, and the knowledge that Irkut had gotten out of it to uh, bind the the soul of the the soul and body of the Urwhale between realms,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that that didn't end up happening. Um, but like literally, uh, and the the players will get the reference. Uh, everything you've seen in like the last turn referring to uh, the god beast uh, Nura, uh, like literally, if Chaos had won, the cathedral of the Mariner. Uh, path on turn two. Uh, Nero would have been bound between realms as a test fire, like, you know, when you get your uh, Rogue One uh, test firing of the Death Star, like, that That was what I had planned. Uh, But that that didn't come off, so now now we have a a, uh, Rogue uh, Godby spirit. Well, I mean, that's uh, pretty
0: awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It it
1: is pretty awesome, but, like, I, I, I definitely had things that I wanted to see the Undivided do. And the the joke was, you know, the 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 joke in the juxtaposition was that we we named them the undivided, but their their figureheads were two uh, two vanguard who hate each other's guts, uh, you know, and th- there was that sort of push and pull where Kering Sarn uh, embodies uh, Nurgle and Corn, and then uh, Ir- Irkut the spineless embodied emphasis on he he did. Uh, Zinch and Slanesh and and sort of their their traits and uh
0: he got turned into a spawn because he failed three times in a row. So well, I mean um, I see I I think the uh, I think the solution here is in is in the uh is in the delivery and not in the what you got there. Um yeah. you know, you, the the plot and the, the meta details. Um yeah, it's no, just it,
1: it, Yeah, it's I'm so sure you trying your... to something yeah, the the undivided were definitely something that didn't land the way the way I intended them. For. Yeah, but you've got ideas,
0: obviously, going forward.
1: Uh, so yeah, I think uh, going into Prime Dominion, Animosity Three, the Prime Dominion, um, there there's not going to be just your sort of generic chaos bad guy faction. You know, I I that that wasn't how I wrote the undivided, but that's kind of what they ended up being.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, you know, that that wasn't what I hoped for them, but. Yeah, you gotta you gotta go specific. Go spirited Away*, man. Yeah, uh, I, I think I think uh, just you know we we, we kind of had a start in breaking up the the grand alliances, but you know I think that that cast typing is uh, uh, you know is, is hard to get away from that because uh, it, it was funny because uh, one of the, getting toward the end of the campaign, I think turn four, um. The, the Expedition, which were sort of the generic good guys, they were like, well, we, we have to go stop Chaos. Like, I, I finally paired them up against uh, against the Undivided, and there, there were a few players who, were like, they had been itching all campaign, they wanted to punch Chaos, and they had a chance to punch Chaos, and they're like, this is super important. They might unlock the secrets of God binding. We have to stop them. And, uh, I, I like, be, being the GM, like, I just, I, I couldn't help myself, and I just pinged in the channel, like, have you asked them if they're, they're going to be doing this? Because like I knew from looking at their their chat, they're like, "Oh yeah, your your cut sucks." Like let them get turned into a spawn. We don't care about that. <laughs> so, so the, the expedition, you know, they, they had players being like, you know, th- this is an existential threat. You know, Defcon Five, and the, the undivided are just like, yeah, but but no diplomacy happened there because it was just like, well, we're good guys and they're bad guys. We're not gonna we're not gonna just ask them what they're doing. Right. They're gonna lie to us because they're bad guys.
0: Right. Right. I mean, that's. I mean, there's. I definitely,
2: definitely
0: there's a fun. There's a fun little like moral lesson for reality in that, though, <laughs> is when you you paint someone as the bad guy, you automatically you just you choose not to, like you won't even talk or interface with them, right? And we see this in society. We see this, in in in, I think the current political state. Like you, when you're the bad guy, you're the enemy. Like I can't. You know, you're just gonna lie to me. You're just. We're never gonna see eye to eye, and I think really what you have going on there is a life lesson to be taught to the world yeah. so animosity not only is it giving people enjoyment but it's enriching lives
1: well and and i would absolutely agree with that and and if you want to get into the psychology of it like animosity is always ju- just in that sort of personal development thing and maybe that's why it stuck with me and certainly a part of why i wanted to bring it back also makes you a great storyteller yeah it, it there's definitely real world lessons. It, it, it's like a microcosm for, uh, um, you know, for real world problems, especially when you start getting into diplomacy. Mm-hmm. And I, I I won't get in on into the weeds on this because it's it's certainly a touchy subject. But, it's it's uh, it's
0: a lot better to zoom out and not explain it all. We're gonna go with that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But go on. But the 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 the, the joke I made it
1: wasn't even really a joke. Just just a comment was that. Uh, some events in Animosity Five in twenty what would that have been twenty ten? Like at at that time, like what happened between the players? I was like, oh, this is what's so fucked up with the Israel Palestine peace process. Like I, the the context of the game, I just sort of got it. Like oh, that
2: mm-hmm.
1: this is how people behave in this circumstance. Yeah, you know, it was just this this wonderful microcosm yep. of you know a real geopolitical
0: crisis. Well, see, that's that's the beauty of um, of like that's why I love uh, uh quote unquote genre fiction a lot more than uh you know standard lit fic, which is a genre fiction. You can at me lit nerds. Um, no, I, I um that's a deep cut on some previous rantcast topics. Um, but there's a when I sit there and I tell you a historical fiction story, or, or I write a lit fic story about something that's going on right now, like I write The Hurt Locker, or whatever, right? Like mm-hmm. a, some some, it's, there's only but a single layer of of of, of uh, suspension of disbelief between the story I'm telling you and reality. Uh, you yeah. come into it, and by you I mean the general audience usually approaches it with either uh, like a inherent skepticism, or echo chamber. You don't really get behind... You don't really get behind the veil. You don't really get into the, the sort of, like, psyche and the, and the, the processes of people. Um, if I tell you a story about an orc just beating the crap out of some people, and then, and then like, the sort of, like, weird fallout from that, and you're just like... And you get this, this sort of evolving, weird narrative about diplomacy around it. Like, I've said way more about reality that will resonate with people than had i just told you the like the one-to-one conversion of whatever i'm trying to say about my reality i mean i write a lot of poetry i write a lot of very personal stories but they're always fantastical or weird because one i need to dilute them from myself because my trauma is very real with a lot of the stuff i'm trying to vent in my stories and it's hard to like kind of relive that in a one-to-one sense but if I put it through a weird filter, you know, my inner demons aren't real inner demons anymore. It's a literal demon, you know, in in a thing. And then, how do you fight the literal demon? You you punch it in the face, or you find the sweet weapon, or whatever it is. You know, it, yeah. it's a lot easier to to digest myself, um, yeah. and a lot easier, I think, to deliver that message to to the players. But no, I I'd, I'd agree with that, and that that was uh,
1: I guess to to come back to the the you know, ref- what, what you.
0: Uh, Nuno says real quick: the wretched were just trying to get you all off their lawn. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. The, the, they were the.
1: Uh, I, I would say it's. Oh, oh no, we're now we're we're really getting into the weeds here. I would say uh, Lake by Call, which was the campaign setting. Like I would say that was their uh, their land, except they stole it from the people who had it before. Who stole it from the people who had it before? Anyway. Uh, there, there's some depth to the world building we did here, but, uh, yeah, they're, they're basically that they were there and then everyone else showed up and had a war in their lawn and they're just like, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so that, that was where they, they, uh, they suffered. So something that that's, uh, um, sorry, I'm answering, uh, the... Uh, I'm sure. I'm I'm
0: reading chat here simultaneously too, and uh, there's I mean this is why we call our chat gang the show within the show, right? Um, yeah. Um. um but uh, where, where was I? Are hey, you talking that? about geopolitics, the the layers to your storytelling, the depth and the world building? Yeah.
1: So 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 something that's very important in our campaign experience is that it is possible to lose and that invariably creates a lot of tension and a lot of the the blowback we we did get from players uh and and there's a lot of depth to to what we we need to do better next time here but uh was players who like they had suffered a defeat and that there was i think a lot of feeling like well i don't feel we presented it in a way that allowed them to understand like well but why did we just get defeated but as a core story that that was kind of a tangent, but as, as a a core storytelling element, uh, defeat is possible. Like that that's that's I think at the top of the show we were saying about stakes. Like that that's the stakes is that you you can lose the war. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the wretched had a really rough turn turn two, I think, and they uh, they decided to to go big, <laughs> and they came up with uh, hashtag drain the lake. So they're like well it's a lake we're gonna drain it and they, they punched a bunch of gnaw holes and turbines and so they, they use gnaw holes to uh, uh, you know and th- this is the kind of uh, storytelling that we, we encourage uh, they, they came up with using gnaw holes to divert the water as it drained to uh, dump it on uh, some local realm gates that they're, the, the perpetual had taken from them I think the previous turn uh, so ba- basically they came up with well We'll drain the lake and we'll we'll pipe it, you know. We'll dump it onto these realm gates where it will then drain back into the lake and back through the na holes, which will then dump, you know, like a the the video game portal, like we'll, we'll just endlessly dump water on these. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um,
0: if they get a turbine in there; they have infinite energy. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, know, I, I, think, I think I think they did have turbines in there. I, I think th- there was some Skaven tech that. Uh, uh, had, had turbines uh, powering you know, infinite other... energy. <laughs> like yeah. we've done
0: it. We've done it, lads.
1: Yeah, uh, we, we, we've solved the the energy crisis. Um, Skaven did anyway, uh, but of course, it, <laughs> th- then it blew up. Um, but uh, but
0: yeah, Scaven <laughs> um, stories have. But then it blew up. The end. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh...
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, that was, uh, you know, certainly, uh, really creative, but it, it, it was born out of like, well, we just got punched in the face. Like we're, we're in a really bad spot, you know, so that, that sort of having things not going well forced, uh, you know, one of the most creative things that happened
0: over the course of the
1: campaign. Well, that's... Um, you know, and, and yeah, sorry, go
0: ahead. No, I just, I think that's, that's beautiful. I mean, when you're solving, when you you're forced to solve a puzzle, right. When you, you have to yeah. overcome. Um, that's when you get some of the, 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 the best creative, uh, the best creativity we, we see from having to think outside the box or having to think your way out of a corner.
1: So I, I don't know if, uh, Ricky is, uh, still in the chat, but, uh, so like, uh, er early in the campaign, um, uh, a, a certain, um, a, a certain ogre tyrant, um, decided to, uh, he decided to uh that there was the the city that had to be claimed to stay competitive in the narrative um the the pilgrimage uh they, they didn't really try to contest it they just sent a couple of players to to put in a token resistance um but one of the players was like well i'm gonna try to rig the city with bombs so when we lose it like we'll blow it off the top of this cliff um and because the n- this is where uh the narrative gets balanced with mechanics um there there wasn't enough uh reporting power to really make that work so uh torag to meter, he tried to bomb the city it didn't go off so the next turn there was a diplomatic meeting and like that this was you know that the the explosion heard around the world Uh, because or or around the lake because there was a diplomatic meeting on torag's boat which the expedition and the perpetual sent a bunch of diplomats like player characters uh which uh they they stepped onto this boat which then exploded um you know and and from there uh ricky was like well I'm, i'm gonna use uh uh his uh his midnight character like well um, you know the the Midnight City. They're like, we're going to use our technology and we're going to make a nuke. <laughs> so like like the, this just escalated turn after turn. <laughs> like, well, you, you you tried to blow up a city and it failed. You blew up a ship. All right, we're we're going to come up with a nuke, mm. um, and just bomb the map. Um, you know, so so it's it it creates a, a funny sort of uh, cascade of like players. You know, a player comes up with an idea, and then other players see, like, oh, he did that, and you guys allowed it? Like, let's see what crazy stuff we can come up with. And you just get the sort of runaway effect of uh, players trying to outdo each other.
0: Well, you mentioned tug-of-war before, too, I think, early on, yeah. how the players are kind of tugging a war, and, like, they're just, like, what they're tugging that rope over is who's got, the like, the bigger bomb. Like, it's almost, yeah, yeah they're just pulling that back and forth, like, well, now, now we get the bomb. No, we get the bomb, and <laughs> just, like, pulling it back and, and forth. And-
1: and, and that, that was a huge departure which uh, actually I was I have to give credit to Bythir and Warboss Kurgan uh, because Peter and I were not sold on it originally but uh, basically Warboss Kurgan came up with like well we should do Dread Solstice but better and that, that's what this was because again the, the old map based campaign there was a bunch of clunky supply mechanics and resource mechanics and you had this map and you're trying to move around the map and it was just uh, it, it led to just a lot of like well I want to do a cool thing but the game doesn't allow it so I guess I won't do a cool thing
2: mm. yeah you and, gotta
1: say yes not no to your yeah. players and uh, I mean that that isn't to say a lot of cool things did happen but mechanically it was very difficult mm. uh, but then with with the narrative path mechanic where like I said it you got your six teams uh, each of them fight three other teams per turn like it, it allows for a lot more just straight up uh, you know and, and like Nuno said you know from turn one that there was no sort of you know beat around the bush jockey for position it's just straight up you know you you guys are right into it hmm. uh and I, I feel like that that you know to, to use the mad max analogy again you know where that you have a car chase
0: in literally the first 60 seconds mad max got it i remember that that, that came out during the uh, sort of like gen x action resurgence You know, like this is when we were getting like another iteration of Terminator, we get another uh, Blade Runner, I think. Um, We were getting all these like sort of Gen X action sort of resurgent films. And it was the one I remember watching that first trailer and it had cars exploding to opera metal and then like a couple one liners. And I'm like, this film gets it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You got to have that like opera metal explosion. Uh, you know, kick off, I think. Um, and right. we talked about the the sort of importance of conflict. You started with conflict. Stories should start with conflict. Um, and you also yeah. imperceptibly landed on another tenet of writing, which is start those scene as late as possible, which is something that, uh, you know, Tarantino was lauded for and, like, during yeah. like, the Reservoir Dogs and, you know, always starting at the very, very last moment. In fact... Tarantino went so far with that that he started it after the thing had happened that was important at all, which is the heist of the you know, and then it's just the whole fallout of this, and you get all the character interactions, right? right? The the heist had already happened in Reservoir Dogs; it had already gone wrong, like it, you know. Whereas Heat builds up all the way to the the bank scene, you know, yeah. getting assembling the crew, and, so, and the, like Reservoir Dogs said, no, we're going to start as late as possible, which is after it's already gone wrong which is kind of brilliant storytelling. So, And that's kind of what you're doing is you're starting in the heist, right? Like, which is yeah. not the Tarantino point, but you, what, yeah. what most of us would think of as the correct point to start in. Well,
1: well and and so I, I do want to jump in there. So we, we didn't really get to execute it the way we wanted to this year, but we, we will have what we call the path, which is a, a reference to our, uh, you know, our, our roots with the path forum. Yeah. Um, uh, which will that—that's sort of our pregame. So we'll kick that off uh, somewhere between one to three months. We haven't really set that in stone yet. Before Animosity three, and that—that'll sort of be our, our heat buildup, uh, you know, period of <laughs> uh, when we we start introducing the coalitions and, and the story, you know, so people can sort of start planning like where they fit in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if we're back to tabletop gaming at that point, you know, uh, organizers can start planning their events um and you know getting their groups involved that sort of thing so we we will have a build-up period which we
0: weren't really able to do this year but uh but yeah uh, i think it i think it seems to have worked out though i mean i i've heard tons and tons of buzz about it this this year and i think it was one of those those great sort of sort of um vacations that we all needed from our current state you know
1: no, the, the, the amount of feedback that I've gotten and people just being like, you know, basically 2020 is 2020 and that this was, you know, a very welcome break,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, yeah. you know, and that, that's really been, been great to hear. And I'm really, it, it, it means a lot more to me when I can, you know, doing this sort of thing feels meaningful when it's more than just, you know, entertainment, haha, push soldiers, roll dice, you know, if, if it has that impact beyond the game. And and then of course uh there there's all the
0: food that everyone shared. So beautiful, beautiful. I think that's oh, go ahead. Yeah, finish. Your no, point. no. Uh I think we could we can kind of get close to wrapping up here, but uh, I just want to touch on Velotron's uh, comment here. Right. So I am curious from a mechanics perspective, how did you account for uh factions that had less members, or was it that the factions with the most participants had an edge?
1: Um so that is a little bit of a gray area um, in that what it, it came down to weight of reports per turn rather than players. So like everyone was afraid of the expedition because they had the most players but they uh, I, I think the highest reporting power ended up being uh, Pilgrimage uh, just because they had the most active players uh, but there there were so we made the very deliberate decision early on that like there there is a curtain the mechanics stay behind. But uh this is important. Yeah, but uh you know we, we don't show all the mechanics because it again, past experience with, with having done this, you know, back through the Warhammer fantasy days, like we know when you let when you let players look at the math, like they're gonna find something to be even more angry about.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and we we don't want it to have to be that way, but that's kind of how it
0: ended
2: up. and well, so, you don't
0: you wanna you don't want nit- to nitpick the system really. You just yeah. want like the GM essentially should be telling the story and, and compiling it and at some point you've got to yeah. be like the GM's word is law. At some point you've got to have that baked into your system, right? Yeah. Um, so to to answer to answer the question directly, though, I kinda got on a tangent there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the players with the most reporting power per turn uh, would have had an edge. Um, but the, there were mechanics again. That this is uh, uh XL engine. That all the numbers get put into. Uh, there were mechanics in place to balance that out. And we, now that we got to see this in action with you know 200 uh, plus on some turns reports hitting it, every single turn we were able to see how to build it better next year. So that'll be even less consequential. So what what we really want is a rock paper scissors system where it's not so much the, you know, basically everyone is more or less even. And I, it is important to me to reward the coalition with, you know, really active players. I do want that. Yes. But at, at the same time, um, you know, you, you don't want the the shorthanded faction to just get stomped. And that will be even more balanced next year. So it really comes down to, like, where do you put your reports? Where do the other which paths do the other coalitions do and how that plays out? Um, so i Actually need to take a medication. Uh,
0: well, we, uh, we yeah, we, uh, yeah. Go ahead and do do what you got to do. And I, 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 was gonna ask, would you
1: would you be interested in pulling? You you've been reading him in chat this whole time. Would you be interested in
0: pulling Kyle Kylieonis on the show because he's he a much more interesting person than I am? Well, uh, I mean, I, I was f- figuring we can move towards rap because I know you're kind of, uh, you know, we both had a day ourselves. But if Fair. if if you want to. I, I, I was just gonna offer, so I could
1: step away for a minute.
0: Okay. Um, I mean, or we could just both take a real quick break because I need to refill my water anyway. Fair enough. That that works too. All right. So. All right, chat. Uh, we're gonna do the rare. I'll, I'll go ahead and clip this out in the podcast version. Fair. And uh, for those of you watching this on YouTube, um, might I suggest watching Mad Max: Fury Road real quick? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you can find the original trailer like that,
1: like that. That's what. That was when I knew it was gonna be great. Just oh the yeah. Very first. I think Comic Con maybe trailer where I'm just like, I I knew nothing about the old movies, but I'm just like I'm all in on this one. Yep, yep. The
0: opera metal, the the car explodes and flips yeah. up over, and I'm like, they I think they even showed the Doof Warrior with the guitar and the like fire. Yeah. I'm like, I am a simple, I am a simple humble man. All I want is is heavy metal and uh, and and explosions and like. Right. <laughs> oh, all right. That yeah. Good. We'll That's take great. a real quick break here. Um, we'll be right back, chat gang. I like what Quietest Woods said here—that mechanics just facilitate the story and direct player effort into channels. The story was beautiful. Um. um. Kalionis, I like I, Leonis, I, I like that I don't know anything about you, but I know your brand. Like in this, the short period of time, I have—I feel like I know you. Uh, <laughs> for today, uh, this is the person who will charge the thing. <laughs> basically <laughs>
1: uh so he uh I, I messaged him real quick he uh he is available to jump on if uh, you'd like to get a player perspective on uh you know what what we just did why the heck not um, why, the, why the heck I, not? i've i've decided so uh when i stepped away i decided like i'm sick of staring at these luminette sprues so i'm gonna finish these last three dawn riders tonight and then 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 we can call it a night because <laughs> i've had these looking like while i've been working on animosity i've had these two sprues just sitting there looking at me I'm sick with them. Um, so, is it okay if I pull him
0: into the? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so, add friends. You're doing all the heavy lifting for me here. There we go.
1: Now, if I press Create Group
0: DM, I'll just have to rejoin. There you go. All right, there we go. Beautiful, vundabar. I don't
3: know why it kicked Can you hear me?
0: Yep.
1: Excellent. Hello. So, uh, Mr. Meff, this is Kai Leonis. Kai Leonis,
0: Mr. Meff. Right. Uh, pleasure to meet you. Thanks for hanging out in uh, chat gang tonight, by the way, Kai.
2: Yeah. Well, absolutely.
0: This is, uh, when, when I say that uh, that chat gang is the show within the show, money where the mouth is every time, bringing people up from the, <laughs> the chat to be on the show. Pretty,
1: pretty much yeah uh so, so even though i i like you were just saying he he needs no introduction uh kai leonis has been with animosity campaigns two years longer than i have so i started with animosity 4 which was set in cafe kai started with the original animosity 2 which was set in araby uh in 2007 and he has just now, for the, the second Animosity to mostly finished his Bretonian army.
0: What character was Kai in this most recent anim- uh, Animosity?
3: He was a Bretonian sacred protector out of their PDF list. So he is an ethereal apparition of wonderful knightly virtue.
0: Uh, so, like a flesh eater court.
3: You know, everybody who says that to me is going to get a punch. <laughs> not necessarily for the for the purpose of it but for the unoriginality
0: i know it's getting it's like blaming coronavirus on nurgle is it's just like it's such low-hanging fruit but you have to understand uh i always must be on brand myself which is to bring it all all the way back to nake ash at all times
3: absolutely but (laughs) this is what i'll say is that you know, after coming off, I started Warhammer with Fifth Edition bretonia so it's a wonderful High Arthurian fantasy. They're good guys. They're, they're they don't have any real dirt. You go to Sixth Edition, and they're and they got dirt. They're just asshole. Excuse me, I shouldn't say that because we are on the um, the the better rules of behavior. Yeah, yeah. Um, you gotta
0: you gotta you gotta obey the obey the animosity here. Be on brand for absolutely. them.
3: But they become the, you know, sort of the the peasant kicking super noble fluty uh, aristocracy and an oligarchy that's corrupted beyond all proportion. And then my theory is that Games Workshop realizing their ultimate dream of Grim Dark, that their final evolution of what could be like twelfth edition Britonia is in fact the flesh eater. I that it's finally it's finally become grim, dark enough for them to have nights.
0: I see. I actually, uh, from a like, I I, I feel for Bretonian players. I truly do. We've actually got um one of my friends, uh, is, uh, who lives in Japan right now, is playing in our Blood Bowl game, and uh, his team name is stuck stuck in sixth edition, and he's playing the Blood Bowl Bretonians. And uh, so I feel for Bretonian players. Um, I get. I get the, I get the line, I, I buy the line from Games Workshop fine, it's hard to, hard to copyright, just knights, got it. But then make something that's not just knights, that reads as them, um, I, and that's where my, my, my dark sense of humor comes in now, and it's a, it's a me thing, it's not a, it's not a other thing. Um, I think it's a great thumbing of the nose with the, what they did with Flesh Eater Courts but that's because I'm an evil bastard. And uh, I still think that they need to make something classically knightly though going forward. Um, whether I think that that their way in into into doing that in Age of Sigmar is with Aberash, because at the end of the, at the end of the at the end times essentially like Aberash and a bunch of Bretonians like just pieced off through a portal, and we haven't seen them since. So like Aberash can, uh, supposedly cured vampirism by drinking dragon's blood. Like supposedly Aberash and a bunch of Bretonians have just been partying in like some like like, Bill and Ted tube, you know, through time and space, and they can just show up at any time with, like, these, like, you know, mesh of, like, sort of, uh, uh, Dragon Knight type Bretonian iconography combined to make, like, a new Bretonian. And you call them, like, Knights of Aberash, or Knights, you know, or Knights of the Green, or make, make up some fluffy made-up name that I can't, de- I'm I, you know, I'm not on the Payroll to, to even think, pretend to think about. Um, do that, and then boom, you've got, you've got some classic nights to really, to really scratch that itch for folks. I think that would be a good play, a good move. But, but through the power of a Neo, uh, 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 adventure like Animosity, we get to kind of relive some like classically Bretonian fun, right?
1: Well, that, that, and when we played Animosity One last year, uh, when, uh, Slanesh was the, the new hotness, um,
0: I mean, he, he showed up with his Bretonians and charged them, so... ABB, always be brand or ABC, always be Charging. So, like, I've got a couple acronyms yeah. that both
3: apply here. You know, I, I just go back to the classic like, Audacity, Audacity, Audacity. So, the AAA.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Um. So, yeah, I mean... But... Yeah, go ahead,
3: guy. No, no, I was just going to say, is, is, you know, the PDF list was fun uh you know obviously you're limited by it but i i think it was more it it's it spokes a lot to me that having gone through at least four editions of warhammer fantasy battle that just reading the aos rules it was so quick and so easy to pick up and the rule set is so robust that even with just a pdf list i i felt competitive in some of the games and narratively speaking you know, I never felt like I was at a disadvantage,
0: because well, you you have this sort of third lever, right? When it comes to animosity, um, you have that initial lever as a player of, you know, playing your game, right? Like that's the the kind of first lever. But then you also have these the, these these reports. Uh, you are allowed to sort of you know, four other avenues to, to sort of stay playing in the narrative of what's going on. And then you have this sort of narrative goal and ambition with your with your coalition or your, your you know, your group. So you have these multiple levers to pull as a player that aren't just like hey the tabletop that you can really kind of show off some uh you know, just I don't know, some robustness of play and, and understanding of the game, the setting and, and the system. I think that's that's really for me, one of the things that that really caught my eye for animosity, that's what it is. Um, I like when when multiple parts of, of the player experience is heightened and enjoyed. I don't like living in just one sphere of play. I like living in the, in them all. You hear that?
3: Absolutely. And, you know, for me as a player going into a lot of these things, like it's not very often you get to do something more than, you know, put miniatures on a table and maybe talk to the guy across from you about your army theme. You know, animosity really lets you explore in a in a almost RPG deep dive, long form way. Um, you know what your army is all about, what your character is thinking, feeling, and doing as they're going through the motions of you know ostensibly what is a a, a war game. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least on the you know the the reality side, as I'll call it. But you know when you're when you're I'm saying this horribly, but I'll, I'll fall back on. I, I like to think of it as an immersive experience.
1: It's a rant um,
0: cast. You're fine.
3: <laughs> uh, tangents, <laughs> rabbit holes,
0: and and uh, y- taking the long way to the point is is highly encouraged here.
3: Well, the joke was always that it would take me four pages to to say something that would take <laughs> Alex like three words to surmise. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I remember but, those But days. for me, it was yeah. But for me, it was always this, this immersive experience of you're, you're getting to not just explore a world, but you're getting to be very introspective and to say different things um, about your army and what you can do with your army. Um, you know, like, for example, the Desert Lions, which is ostensibly my Britonian force, um, had its roots started in A2. know i thought hey this is you know i'm cool i'm doing these awesome things i'm getting recognition in some of the lore uh, on the turn updates you know and i'm having fun so i'm gonna build my whole army around this and then i played that army in animosity three animosity four animosity five and animosity six so by the time i'm done with like this six seven year run this army has such a wealth of battle honors and history, and mostly defeats. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> if, if I'm going to be honest about it, is is you know the, the poor lads got you know got slapped around an awful lot, and it was very painful at times. Um, but you know, you you come and you get the ability to long form explore your characters, your army. You know the rise and fall. I mean, how how it impacts, and you get to tell this this story. Um, and and some people do it visually. Um, some people do it uh, through their conversions and their building. Like you know, I had I have a it's on my my Twitter. Um, but it's it's sort of my my centerpiece model is this very. It took me a long time to convert it, um, but I felt like. For a model with as rich a history as Sir Kyle Leonis had, he needed to have something that reflected the epicness that I felt when I took him through this journey of animosity. And that's how that particular model came into being. And I've only now really started finishing painting the rest of his things, because I will <laughs> uh, be very, very honest when I say that I have a deep and abiding love of Bretonia. I cannot stand it didn't, it didn't show. painting horses.
0: You love Bretonians, but you hate painting horses? It's, it's a complex
3: problem, and <laughs> I've tried to it. But contrast paints are a lifesaver when it comes to painting horses, and that's probably the only reason now why my thousand-point Bretonian list I've had for darn near two decades is the only reason why it's even nearing completion now. <laughs> is because of those things. Able to paint the horses. Oh, there you go. There
0: you go. Um, Man, I had a question in there, but I forgot it.
1: <laughs> I, I, you have yeah. a notepad there for that, don't
0: you? Uh, yeah, I do. Shh! Don't tell them. They're not supposed to... I, I don't prepare for Rantcast. That's why it's bad. Like, the minute they think I put any preparation and this is the end there result into, into the show, the, the mystique is gone, man. Yeah,
1: uh, that, that, no one needs to know how the sausage is made. That's
0: right, yeah. You don't know that I, I take notes and do research for episodes. I don't do that. It's all off the cuff. Uh, right. You know, this is, yeah. Um, fair, fair enough. No, I, I usually do, yeah, I've, I've been taking notes this whole time, and I just, like, I got lost in the sort of story of this Bretonian player who's kind of, like, weathered the storm. Um, that, that, that happens when you talk to Kai, I know. I've known him <laughs> long enough. No, my, my question was, is is like, um, is essentially, like, the defeats are kind of mitigated because, and this starting with the statement, they'll get to the question, um, the defeats are kind of mitigated a little bit because there's this wider impact. You know, this isn't, we're at a match play event, you have the friends you made along the way, and you have your win-loss record. You know, like, that's kind of it. And, and that's that's not to downplay that experience. I really thoroughly enjoy, uh, you know, uh, no frills, just the game aspect of match play. I really do enjoy that, by the way. I, uh, You know, I always have my own, you know, sort of loose headcanon that's going on when I'm playing games. But, like, that's for me. I don't need to share that unless the other opponent, you know, partakes of my craziness. Um, but, like, with these losses, you from a narrative spin, it, it might not be that, like, you know, your Bretonians are just so thoroughly outclassed by the rules or so, or, you know... Uh, like got way outplayed on the table. You can almost tell a a sort of like Battle of Thermopylae style story where these are these marauding, um, you know, this sort of, this sort of like tangential like force that are just kind of like taking their licks and they're getting their honors where they can and they're still lasting and around and that is itself a victory. Do you think the appeal in 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 one of the big appeals that kind of keeps you around is that you get that that sort of like the losses are mitigated by the fact that you're telling a grander story?
3: It, yes and no. Um, if if and, I could jump in there.
0: To,
1: okay. <clears throat> if anything, the losses are far more painful.
3: Mm. <clears throat> that, that's all I was going to say. And, 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 you know, and, and Alex and I suffered through perhaps one of the most gut-wrenching defeats of all times and an animosity came with, with Animosity 4. And... Part of it is I, I call it the high highs and the low lows. Mm-hmm. Um, to come into to the question directly and, and let's, let's charge it down first and trample it under hoof. Um, <laughs> it. A B B. Triple A baby. Yeah. Triple A. Um, when you're in deep in a narrative investment. You know, you're, you're, you're watching all the time, the effort, and, and you know, you're pouring your heart out writing story, um, trying to come up with creative ideas, new tactics, special projects. And when you're working with a group of people towards an end, you know, when you end up on the losing side, it really is, you know, you, you feel it viscerally. And... Part of that is, you know, you you have to be able to step back a couple of spaces and say, okay, you know, I charged the hell out of this, <laughs> I was still lost, but you know what? The charge was bleeping worth it. You know, like I can look back and say that it was not from a lack of effort. It wasn't from a lack of trying. And narratively, that comes across as, you know, you're, you're, I mean, what's the emotional state of being on the end of a, a, a kicking, you know, is that, okay, what do I do next to come back stronger and try it again? Am I? I love the line of, I cannot defeat this knight, I can only kill him. And that's where I kind of strive to come into this point of, you can't, defeat me you can only kill me Mm -hmm. and you know and i think of anything that actually shaped part of my narrative into it um as here's a guy who has tried desperately to win to be the good guy to save the world you know to do all these things and it's blown up an awful lot in his face. So I decided to take that as a direction to follow narratively in the next campaign where he became a questing knight and was really following the how do I prove myself worthy again. A little little Don
0: Quixote going on here, actually. We're yeah. charging the windmill as your dragon, right? Like,
3: Absolutely. And it's not so much that the loss is mitigated. If anything, in the narrative environment, the loss can be amplified. But the loss has a deeper meaning to it because you know the entirety of the story around it. You know, there's the thing is, you know, I go into a tournament and I throw some dice and I get some bad rolls and I lose, I can blame the dice, um, you know. No, 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 in, in Rantcast,
0: many, in Rantcast, we never br- uh, blame the dice. This is part of the get goodening.
3: I, I threw away an entire <laughs> after I statistically proved it underperformed. <laughs>
0: that's fair, that's fair. Um, It's funny because it's like, uh, uh, you know, uh, I've got that like sort of skeptic's mind and uh, I worked in like a a casino for a while and so um, I know that it's just like dice are just odds, like I know all these, these things about like luck doesn't exist and yet I watch it unfold constantly. To where it's like, even me, my weird analytical blame where it's like, there's just chance and law of averages and so on and so forth. I'm like, I know the D20, I roll in all my, my RPGs because it rolls better. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like I, I know the Grey Die, I don't roll it as a GM because it's killed far more player characters than any other die in my collection. So I only use it as a player. And it's, it's affectionately named Grey Die, even though I don't believe in luck and yada yada yada. <laughs> so... No, no, no. Um, you make your own luck by charging, right?
3: <laughs> I, I have had more success when I have basically said, bleep it, I'm going to do what I want. I'm not going to try you know, anything fancy, go straight at him, hit him in the face with a lance made of steel, and high-five him that way. And uh, this is, another side tangent I'll, I'll slide down here is it's more fun to play in character than it yes. is out of character. Yes so when you start doing I actually had a bumper sticker made that was what would Kai do and 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 had it on my my box for the longest time that I brought all my miniatures to different places with is a reminder that hey what would Kai do and it's just like whatever this character would do always turned out to the the best thing I could possibly do either the dice were with me, you know the lady's blessing finally freaking worked, and you know, and you know, I seemed to roll an awful lot more sixes when I needed them, and an awful lot more ones when I was taking leadership tests.
0: <laughs> so, so I've got a, the most important question though: How did charging the ir on the uh, the the mangler uh, fish uh, turn out for you?
3: for me it was extraordinary and it was satisfying in a way I can't explain I, I wrote a very fun piece that uh, unfortunately did not make the cut into the to the final final um, narrative update but I'm not sad about that because the pieces that did make the cut were amazing so um, no no sour grapes to that and, and you know, but I may have described myself as this sacred protector with ethereal mist blasting off of me, only leaving the verdant green flame as I'm basically dive bombing our midway sky <laughs> onto this beast with this echoes of my Bretonian past through my mind. And I become the lance, and in one beautiful moment of narrative poetry, I describe it as the ugliest narwhal ever with the me as the horn going into the smashing into the head of this beast and the massive rain, the hailstorm of stone horns falling behind it,
1: yeah so that they they use their cardron player to airdrop stone horns, by the way.
3: Awesome!
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's like that. Uh, yeah, that so, Ray Liotta uh, movie, Oper- Operation Dumbo Drop, but with stonehorns. <laughs> so, uh,
3: with with dozens of stonehorns, we we stole an entire herd, and, and and um, so there's two stories that that requirement at this particular time. Number one, when Alex, right after the um, animosity, won a year ago. Uh, pitched me the idea that we're going to be going to a lake and we're going to be dealing with the whale. I immediately latched on to, I want to charge the whale. Like, this became my... (laughs) He's been telling his wife
1: for a year that he's going to charge this whale.
0: (laughs) See... This is this actually goes into match play when I talk about making your own narrative. Uh, you know, I talked about like I don't even remember what I named him Throck General's Bane or whatever. Like, the, like you just you can you have this obs- idea you can go into uh, go into a match play game and like you can obsess over a narrative angle for something you wish to do in the game. Um, you know, this is where I don't believe narrative and and match play are mutually exclusive. I kind of despise that. I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah, uh, I do. Too. And and this is like the personification of that turned up to 11 and I need to comment because like some people do listen to rantcast in a pure audio form uh, Alex had a fantastic um, like air guitar solo in the background while you were describing your charge <laughs>
1: <laughs> well and, and I, I want to jump in
0: real quick and say uh, uh,
1: part of our campaign structure is is the coalition so we we do not uh, like we, we try to take the grand alliances and we put a, you know, put them in a blender. Uh, so, and we we don't exclude anyone from joining any coalition. Uh, we just discourage weird matchups. But like, if you have a strong enough story reason, like, cool, do it. So that that was how the uh, so the the core of the the Soul Munchers, which Kai was a part of, uh, was destruction plus Idonath Deepkin, and then Karadron are mercenaries. So they they had a Karadron player who was like, you know, hey, I'm gonna go over here. Work for these guys. Um, and that that's how they ended up like, well, we, we have a card drawn player, so we're going to airdrop Stonehorns. <laughs> you know, and ha- having that sort of unconventional mix up allows for some really, really creative stuff. Right. And when
3: I approached choosing a coalition for this campaign, I, I went from it in. Normally, I would gravitate towards the, um, let's just call it the good guys factions, you know, Kai Leonis being, you know, a, a very idealistic fifth edition Brittonian knight in archetype form. Um, so very Arthurian, very very whatnot. That's it's where I tend to be gravitated towards. I probably would have ended up choosing the pilgrimage, simply because I like the off-brand good. Um, yeah. Alice can talk, it, You know, I was the only Brittonian player in Animosity Four to choose the outcasts. Um, of course. Yeah. I, which were on brand for their people name. People would understand that, but, um, but let's just call it them. The they were kind of the prototypical pilgrimage um, in touchstone references. But it was sort of I like I like the idea of uh, roguish elements. You know, you wouldn't think of them as good. Oh, but... the Prince of Th- uh,
0: King of Thieves from the Sorbo, uh, the Sorbo Hercules, uh, yeah, in... Bruce Camp yeah. uh, was Bruce Campbell's character. Um, the the thief with the heart of gold is like one of my favorite tropes. I love uh, a roguely Malcolm Reynolds. I think would be another one that fits into that category uh, from from Firefly. Like I love that character archetype. I love the like the the rogue with the heart of gold type.
1: Yeah, and and just like we were talking about the problem with Chaos Undivided, like uh, especially in Animosity Four back in the day, like the the Order of the Dragon Shield was the exact inverse of that. Of like. We are the generic good guys. We do good,
2: mm. good
1: things, you know. And, and all the players that gravitated to that, uh, I th- there's an old forum where my forum, uh, my my signature, if you remember the days when we still had signatures mm-hmm. on our internet posts, uh, to this day it still quotes another player regarding the order of the dragon shield, and the quote, like the quote, sums up their entire campaign, which is, I refer to it as the poking a beehive while standing on an anthill strategy.
0: Uh, uh, Kicker points out one of the most uh, pivotal rogues with a heart of gold by spelling it rouge, first of all. Um, (laughs) Han Solo rogue with a heart of gold. Um, He doesn't start out that way, though, and I think that's important to remember is that he has a progression. That's his character arc is essentially going from cutthroat smuggler only cares about the money sort to rogue doing the right thing for the right reasons. That's what makes him a compelling character, which is why he needs to shoot Greedo first, otherwise it undermines his entire character arc. Yeah. yeah. At me on that um, one, you know, Star Wars nerds. <laughs> or, you know, McClunky. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs>
3: you know, and I'm trying to think of somebody who matches up well to Kai and and I'm I can't quite I'd you're, have to think about a, it a little bit
1: harder. But... Yeah, you're, you're in a, a category of your own, buddy. Um, and anyway, I, I don't even
0: remember where we were originally going with that. Uh, uh, I can get us I, back on tra- Oh, well, okay. Kai, go ahead.
3: I, I got it. Yeah? I, I was about to explain. My entire purpose, I normally would go to one of those good factions, but um, I chose the Soul Munchers in part because the history of orc factions and previous animosity campaigns... That, They were always a lunatic asylum and they always turned out to somehow be the best good guys despite there being Empire Britonians and Kislev and all the other what you would assume would be be fun ones. But my entire purpose for the last year was charge the Urwhale and they seemed, as a destruction faction led by one of the figureheads was a bone splitter, Borgath Priest, I think. Uh, we're we're Gog Correct me if I'm wrong, Alex. Yeah. Yeah. They, they seem the most likely to want to hit a beast <laughs> in the face with a lance. So that's why I slid into them. And, you know, it, it, it turned out to be a perfect fit. We had a lot of fun. Um, just a big shout out to all the Soul Munchers out there. You guys were were incredible. You were creative. You challenged me to write better. And we we came, they came up with the idea of, you know, it'd be funny if we dropped a stone horn on like turn one, and we we percolated it and built it, and I just I I, I latched onto that idea, and we turned it into a collaborative narrative at the end that was amazing, and I got to charge the urwell while riding the orca, all the way down, and it was just sort of a, a wonderful culmination event, and and. They, they help make it happen. I like so, a
0: Quietus Wood saying, won't lie, ethereal bretonian shouting wall was intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Fantastic. Um,
1: and and when, I, when I say 200 reports a turn, like for, for the last turn there, like I, I gave myself four days to do the update, and it took seven. Um, and... So when when Kai says uh, a collaborative project, uh, it, they handed me a twenty-five page document, and that, that was that was the airdrop in like six different phases. Uh, so so they not only did they airdrop it, they then set the whale on fire.
3: <laughs> we we went full Hindenburg, burning it, crashing yeah. it to the ground. Did you crash
0: yeah. it into somebody though? Because that, that's what makes it the coolest. Like, no, or, to... or the, like, one person who, like, who walks out into the field and they see the Urwhil coming down, and, like, someone on top of it, like, riding it towards the ground, and they, like, unsheathe their katana and stare at the person crashing the Urwell to fight the person <laughs> who rides it to the ground.
2: Uh... <laughs> I guess... <laughs> Oh no!
3: From,
0: from a, I should never be allowed in this into the animosity campaign. My brain just really. You str- would
3: fit <laughs> right in. I would recommend either the Skaven faction or the Orc faction. You're you're you are perfectly crazed for either one of them
2: and, and be successful.
3: Um, I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah, but I, I'd say narratively when I was when I was writing the the final segment, I had a. a, a a slightly different well we weren't technically in control of where the orc, orc uh, where the excuse me the uh, the whale was going so it's yeah, more it, uh, important that we destroy it and I figured that Alex would have enough leeway with how I left it that if he wanted to crash it into somebody he would so there, <laughs> there was a thought in mind to do that but I did not want to write the end yeah, you
0: got to give your GM uh, a thread to pick yeah. up, right? Yeah. Like, and, yeah, and
3: not only that, when you're doing these kinds of things, and this is this is a shout out to all the new players. It's like you you have to leave the narrative at a point of decision on whether or not you actually succeed or fail. You know, you leave it at that point of decision, and then you know, say, hey, but if it does succeed, this would be really cool if this is the end result got Like, I wasn't sure we were actually going to destroy the Whale and crash it. I wasn't sure if we were going to burn it, so I, I kind of had these cutout removes in my own narrative, or in the continuing narrative that we that we collaborated all on. Uh, so Alex had points of decision to say, okay, yeah, it doesn't happen this way. Um, you know, yeah. so there's, there's a, you know, leave the room and don't predestine yourself, so yeah and, and j-
1: just just uh real quick while while they were uh airdropping on the uh the floating air it was being dragged off through a realm gate by uh uh rock kraken so yeah there, there was a lot going on by the end and that that was very deliberate uh from from a gm perspective was like each turn i was trying to to ratchet it up a little bit more so you know what started as a little bit more of a uh you know well you're you're jockeying for different territories you know ends up with this flying whale that's now on fire and uh
0: um, you know just just turning it up to 11 uh rock guitar solo yeah yeah i like that the the uh the, the metal is uh is prevalent so i've got a question for you uh uh for you uh, from the player perspective is is what do you look forward to the most as a player in in animosity in an animosity game you have this sort of tenured relationship with it what do you look forward to the most obviously we we heard your one-year goal but you keep coming back every year what what keeps you coming back what do you look forward to
3: it it starts with knowing that i'm going to be in a community of extraordinarily creative people that are going to push me to my limits you know that's that's the first thing. I know that I'm going to be at my most creative in this in this kind of cauldron. Like, you know, there's always the old thing that you know conflict and war brings out the most creative and imaginative in human beings. Unfortunately, um, and fortunately, in this particular case, when the conflict actually doesn't hurt people. So, I I get that. You know, I get my muse. I get inspiration, and I get my desire to actually pull the gray plastic miniatures out and slap some paint on them. You know, I I get inspired to go out and find games. You know, that's the first part of it. The second part of it is you know, a competition against other players, and what I will gently describe as an audacity slash shenanigans one-upmanship. It's who can be the most bold, who can be the most daring, who can do the most insane thing, who can write the funniest moment or, or the best moment or the most heartbreaking moment or, you know, it's mm. just this, let me get into this ring and see how I stand up against that next person. And the thing that I'm always constantly blown away by is just the, the sheer creative output. I mean some of the the best stories I've read for Warhammer Fantasy Battle came out of these campaigns. It wasn't a black library book. it wasn't an official g w release It wasn't a you know a you know professional writer. Uh, one-offing in an army book, it was, you know, somebody's short story talking about how their troll stepped on some poor empire pikeman and now has spent the next four turns trying to get the pike out of his foot while rampaging through an army. You know, it's it's moments like that, that I want to get in there, I want to be a part of it, I want to creatively add to it, and I just want to sort of, you know, sit in the hot spot of that creativity and just Let it all out. Go
0: ahead. No, no, no. You got it.
1: Uh, I was gonna say if if I could say something controversial, because like I've been following. uh, I I know I keep uh, referencing him, and I'm sorry, but uh, uh, Honest War Gamer, like
0: I've been following the uh, the T Sports Arena thing that he's doing. um, Yeah, the Super Super Series. series. Yeah, he was on the he was on the show a couple weeks. uh, I guess a month ago now, doing the Super Series thing. Um, It, It it is my humble opinion that animosity is far more competitive than super series well there's your hot there's the hot take that'll get me all the clicks so thank you for that um <laughs> that'll that'll be the cold open i'm gonna chop that other like three minutes of conversation and just like put that at the front right um, like I, I i will that that
1: is a hill i will die on any day uh for for, for, for the reason it, it, that kai just eloquently said
0: I'm going to go ahead and and uh and cling to to any vestige of uh, of uh, journalistic uh, neutrality here and uh and defer to a quote uh that Haywo said pretty famously which is the most competitive event he's ever been at was a narrative one in holy havoc. Uh holy havoc it. is cutthroat as hell. <laughs> like, uh, we, we,
2: all right, we, all right we, guys we're going to Chicago. Yeah.
3: When you have a reason to fight, it makes the fight that much more important to win. And that's what is at the heart of animosity campaigns. Is like you have massive stakes, at least, you know... I've always felt like the stakes were pretty big. Like I'm going to go in here and I have to wreck, I have to bring my a game and I have to fight. And if those bastards on the other side have come up with something better than us, then we got to come up again and we got to hit them back harder. And it just becomes this snowball effect. I mean, I call it narrative PVP Mm -hmm. and you know, it, it can be brutal. It can be cutthroat. You know there are there are certain times during the campaign where you mention another faction, and you just you just want to tear them apart limb from limb, choke them out. Like there is there is good old fashioned hate. Like I went to the Ohio State University, so I will not even refer to that state up north. But it's that kind of spirit that gets into some of these animosity campaigns as well. So it's it's. it's when you have a reason to fight and there are stakes on the game... It's the stakes, there, man. You gotta have stakes. a bigger thing happening than just the guy across from you. Well, I mean, that's that's something I will and, say for this... And when oh, you are literally writing history... No, I, I was just gonna finish up with... When no, you are up. literally writing the history and you have the chance, you have the chance to leave... A legacy, like what do you want that legacy to be? And you know that's that's what keeps bringing me back. Is one, it was it's the character arc. Two, it's the competition. And three, it's I've always come out better at the other end for it. Right on.
0: No, I, I think that's that's just what good storytelling does to folk. But I will say regarding stakes that the super series, I think one thing that that will be doing just to talk about the rob thing real quick um i won't weigh on on weigh in on which is more competitive by any stretch but th- i think what what the super series is attempting to do is give stakes to match play because there aren't on there aren't lasting stakes beyond uh you know win the trophy at a normal match play event i mean maybe if you're on like a two-peat or a three-peat of like i've always won this tournament now i need to come back and win the tournament again there now you have stakes right um but like what the super series is doing is, is essentially i mean the League of Legends, and you gotta keep in mind I used to shoutcast League of Legends, I've been paid money to do this, to, to do professional broadcast for for, for some esports um, I truly do get that aspect of it um, but like one thing that I always, always um, really harped in my broadcast career that maybe one day I'll go back to, who knows um, was that you need to give a narrative to the audience to give a crap about your tournament we think about like the big tent pole Uh, You know, League of Legends. I only use League of Legends as an example because it's the most ubiquitous. It's the most acknowledged. Um, You know, like caring about World 9 gaming at all. Like, why do you care about the Ohio State? You went there. Why do I care about the Green Bay Packers? I live here. Like, I have. Like, when it comes to, like, esports or T sports or whatever you want to, there's not really a geography easy go to for having stakes in the game, right? There's not one of those easy go tos. You have to develop. A reason for me, the audience, to give a crap. Why do I like Manchester United and in, you know, Euro soccer or Euro football? Um, because they had really, really funny advertising in the 90s. Their whole thing was about how they were like tough guys and beat the crap out of people. And like, I just thought their, their soccer hooligans getting banned from like like Italy or something like that during World Cup was the funniest thing I've ever seen. That's why I like Manchester United. I I have a narrative that I clung to for why i like manchester united
1: and so i've kind of been all over the lots and uh so i I was at a summer camp for railroading and that's where i lost half my hand but that's a different story anyway um what what the uh the people who work at railroad museums say what they call it is interpretation like to, to your average layperson off the street who's just stops by the museum like the, this is a chunk of metal, and you have to humanize it. You have to
0: interpret it in a way that they care about. Yeah, I mean, this this is an advantage that that a narrative event has. You're you are you go in automatically with that that like those. Um, I don't say stakes, but you go in automatically with a narrative with an interpretation, right? Um, what I, one of the great struggles of match play is it doesn't have that. I think that's its great struggle. That's the great struggle. Rob faces is giving it that. That's what the super the super series will live or die based on whether he he can form a narrative. And when I when we talk about narrative, obviously in this context, we're talking about like a story in the game of Age of Sigmar. He needs yeah. to build a narrative around the competition itself. If he doesn't, that's where I think the, we we talked about it during that that rant cast. Yeah. If you care to care to see a different sort of hat,
1: uh, yeah, and, uh, and uh, I'll, I'll I'll check that out. I've I've been busy. <laughs>
0: No, no, no. That was that was a self. Uh, I I, I bad at calls to action. You talk about like you walk away from from your tournament knowing things you can do better. Me as a content creator, I've been struggling uh, in isolation. I have had nothing but time time to reflect on myself and the stuff I put out there into the world, and going like I don't do this as good as some other brands do, or I don't. Even, I fucking hate the word brand. I don't do this as as well as some other stuff you know does. I don't. Uh, you know, I don't do this. I don't. You know, uh, reset the argument or reset the guest enough. Not argument. Reset the argument. God damn it! I did it twice. Reset the guest or reset the premise nearly enough. Um, You know, so I should have been like, you know, this is a live show. Uh, Every half hour, half hour or so, I should be like, and I'm talking with Alex, and like, I know what I should be doing, and it's just like. (laughs) Doing it is something I really have to concentrate on doing, which is weaving... One of the things I did really early on with my show is I weaved a narrative between episodes. Um, So, like, we had the famously... uh, Tristan and Bryce had a rivalry uh, (laughs) back and forth, uh, show to show on who would get the highest, like, rant cast time. This is stakes, right? This is what we're talking about. This is having stakes in my episode. But then that narrative that I framed it with was like the rivalry and then eventually they were on the same episode together. And so we had this like essentially six episode rant cast arc where they disliked each other and then they came on the same episode together. And I used to do a lot more of that and I'm like, I need to go back to my roots on that, the the original sort of proof of premise things that I really wanted to do with it with my own show. And uh it's interesting because, you know, I'm self reflecting on that and yeah. uh Yeah I'm sorry, I had to I had to justify it, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, so
1: no, that,
0: that 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 was certainly no, that was interesting. Um, oh, I I love WWE. Like I, I am I am a person. The magical Mister Mephisto is a persona. I'm a WWE heel uh, on the internet. Um. <laughs> uh, I have to be so that I can uh, I can play people competitively because if I play good guy armies like you, Kai, um, I can't get into the mindset to win. Um, <laughs> because like I. It's like uh, I can't do Renegade playthroughs in Mass Effect because I don't understand why. Like you just be a douchebag. I'm like, see, I,
1: I love the Renegade playthrough. That was my favorite.
0: Yeah, yeah. Renegade Femshep is is some of the best writing in the series, um, mm-hmm. by far.
1: I I don't know if uh, Kai's still on the call. He says he uh, has
0: thunderstorms there. Mm. And uh, kicker, thank you so much for I gifting that sub you. to uh, uh to Veilatron. Yeah. Thank you, man. So, uh, Kai, you still there, bud?
3: Test one. Test. Yeah, I can hear you now. One.
0: Yep.
1: I need to check something real quick. I'll be right back.
3: Okay.
0: I'm sorry. You're 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 cut. You're a little scrambled right now. Sound a little bit like a robot. Um. Try again. Um, so, we talked about stakes. We, yeah. talk, we talked about it a lot. I'm giving, this is a question for both players from, I want the, the GM perspective and I want the player perspective. How do you raise the stakes going forward? Animosity 3. Ooh, that that's toughy. Um, you don't have to be specific. You know, you don't, don't <laughs> give away any of the heat. Remember, we hate telling people how the sausage is made. Right.
1: Um, so I think the... I think this next campaign is going to be a little reactive in that we we're going to take like what interested players this time and kind of double down on it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so something players uh, really dove into and it, it created a lot of animosity uh, was diplomacy. So the, this uh, um, this next time around, like we we. Whereas diplomacy wasn't actually designed into this campaign at all, like I, I think I want to create a an environment where each coalition is really going to have to sort of you know do do that uh, poker uh, bluff thing where you know they're they're going to have to talk to the other coalitions and they're they're going to have to uh, you
0: know decide you know do do we really trust these guys. The word. Uh, so you know what? I, 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 we've had a show within a show going on here, uh, spawned from when like, hey, like I don't know if I should go play an animosity, you know, my little devil's advocate blurb. I might be too extreme or too weird. Um, nah, you'd fit right in. Was the response. But then we got talking about like my my art, my Ossiarch Bone Reapers uh, narrative, essentially hinges on a character named X. And, uh, yeah. so if you know anything about OBR lore, they're, like, a bunch of souls blended into, like, a vessel, and they're ch- selected and yeah. chosen, and yada yada. yada. So X is essentially yeah. the liege Cavalos, who, uh, during the neck fighting during a necroquake with, like, a corn, uh, like, with a, 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 a uh, bloodthirster, uh, you know, he's, he's supported because he's a cavalry guy, uh, he's fighting a bloodthirster, and, like, he's got these twelve souls of, like, the greatest battlefield tacticians and swordsmen and so on and so forth, the 10th personality uh, dislodges itself and becomes a dominant personality. So rather than like 12 souls working in concert, uh, it's a single soul with 11 other voices in his head. <laughs> That's gotta suck. And so his whole thing is like he's gotta keep up the kayfabe that he is still an obedient Osiarch bone reaper out to collect the tithe um, for for Nagash and Catacros. And um but like he remembers being a living, proud, like literal freaking knight. You know, like not quite heroic enough to be, uh, not quite heroic enough to be chosen to be a stormcast, but like pretty good to you know be a liege cavalos in in in, in Nagasha's own you know mockery of the stormcast, right? He, um, he, he was a unit leader in a uh, unit of. Uh knights of the realm yeah yeah or like a he was a great sorter like he was the the unit leader of the great sorter and like he he survived several battles and deployments and did some pretty metal shit and he had a family and stuff like so he remembers all of that that's his that's so the whole i'm following the advice from actually chuck moore is like i have i struggle personally to tell a narrative for an army and maybe i can get some insight from both of you on this is like how do you tell a how do you tell a narrative from a singular perspective and then zoom back out to the army and then zoom back in? How do you sort of rubber band like that? This is something I struggle with. Um, you know, I, I tend to tell a lot of first person narratives when I write stories. Um, or third person narratives, but I prefer the like the camera on the shoulder third person, you know? Like
2: right.
0: Um So I mean, So yeah, so like the whole thing the the whole thing with this character is that like the mortisons are essentially the the diplomats and the liege cavalos are the the field tacticians, and so they usually travel with a mortison who's there to perform diplomacy. And the villain in X's story is actually the the uh, the soul re, or the uh, the soul uh, mas- or the soul sha- uh, Yeah, the uh, like the soul mason or whatever deployed with him to do the diplomacy side of things. Because if he ever finds out that one of that X has sort of dislodged himself and is the dominant personality, he'll immediately re-blend his soul. Right. Or like put his soul into a freaking horse, you know, which is like the greatest punishment that the the bone reapers have if you fail so no, that, that that's actually
1: a really so one yeah you you'd fit right in and two that that's actually a really
0: uh and so uh, when you uh, said
1: really cool narrative
0: yeah, when you mentioned the diplomacy thing, I'm like so like my villain because I would be playing a villain <laughs> army, but with this yeah. personal story of heroism who's you know it's it, this is that personal aspect is like I feel like I you know, my insomnia makes me pretty flighty. Uh, you know, my, some of my personal struggles with my, my traumas and stuff like have me very, uh, uh, like a little, I'm a little Tyler Durden, uh, to, to put it simply. Sure. Um, like, uh, you know, so this is a personal story about some of my own struggles with my own inner voices and this this sort of like depression and anxiety and all these things I struggle with internally. And it's like having those multiple voices are essentially like me fighting off that. All that insecure, all that stuff. I'm always fighting myself, Uh, but yet the power that it gives me, you know. So it's a very personal story from when I'm writing about X, but then when I zoom out to my army, it, you know, I feel like, you know, how do you, how do you, as a GM, kind of embrace that? Like, okay, the army does this, but then I have this main character, sort of character player that everyone's playing with. Um, How does Animosity handle that? So
1: uh, as a player in Animosity, I. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I, I completely understand what, what you're getting at, because I, I certainly uh, uh, certainly dealt with that too, and that my, my player character became kind of the army. And it, it got really bad by, by the end, because the last big campaign in Warhammer Fantasy was Animosity 6, and the the GMs had this mechanic, and I'm not answering your question here, but the GMs had this mechanic where like you had an agent that you could send off to... Uh, to do stuff for you and then while well, you led your army and i kind of ended up inverting it where my player character was the agent going off and doing side quests and then the my army was just the np npc sort of just chipping in battle reports so uh, i i I'd agree that i struggle with that too um i think when, when i have done a a better job of balancing it um so like the the narrative that i'm actually doing uh right now uh for for one of the armies that's going to show up in my uh tale of uh one warlord times four uh is a flesh eater court army called the court of the pale saint and the the pale saint himself was my old player character and he lost so many games the last time i played him i was just like you know what no he's dead (laughs) he's been killed so many times now this time it's permanent um, and I'm dividing the the army up among his his children. So the the pale siblings. Um, so it's it's uh, there's going to be five different. Uh, this is that
0: the pale saint that chat was popping off about.
1: Yes, yes, that one. So, okay. uh, his, his his spawn uh, are going to feature with with my my flesh eater court. They control it now, but in in their case. <laughs> In in their case, like it's it's five different uh, baby ghoul kings and each of them thinks in their own head they should be the king. And the, the only way they can hold the like hold the military might together because if, if they each go off and form their own war band, they're they're gonna split the court up. Um so they're they're still trying to keep the, the military power of having an entire court. They're they're sharing, but you know, they, they all hate each other, but they all have to work together. And Kind of the the thing I want to explore there is like the, the different, um, what are they called? The uh, the characters in the Flesh Eater Court Army that are below, like the the Ghoul King and the Vargolf.
3: Uh, uh cor- charge targets? <laughs> yes, <charges. laughs> uh,
0: court- courtiers maybe. Is court court- courtiers, for? yeah, courtiers. Yeah, yeah how, how the
1: courtiers and their you know their own units that they're kind of attached to like how, where their loyalties end up shifting around between the different siblings
3: you okay. know
1: so i have kind of tried to introduce this this much more complex uh narrative that goes down through the strata of the army um you know and i, I think making a relationship between your main player character and the the other officers in the army like I, if you go back to uh the uh i don't know if you've ever read them but the uh the Hornblower books by C.S. Forrester like uh, it's it's 11 books about Horatio Hornblower but as he progresses through different commands like you you get to know uh, the the officers underneath him all the way down to you know the occasional deckhand uh, Hmm. who who becomes a character and that that I think that kind of helps flesh out the rest of the army around you know the
0: the stand-in for yourself Right. So. Right, yeah, and and I mean the goal here is that like I get to be the quote-unquote bad guy from as an army because uh heels have more fun, but then I still yeah. have this personal story because I am not personally a bad guy. You know, anything I do when I write about an evil character is an inversion of self or a worst-case scenario or taking something that I fear and turning into a villain, right? Uh making it making it making it a personification of something that I I dislike or hate or fear. But it's all just filters on the self, right? Like, that's all, all any story ever is. Well,
1: and, and so I actually... I'm going to fess up to a misstep I made, and I got called out on it, uh, rightly so, where I wrote a figurehead who's supposed to be... So for, for the Wretched, we named the figureheads... Uh, we, we had a Bray Shaman named the Oracle of Peace who was supposed to be incredibly warlike. Uh, and then we had a Plague Priest named the... Named the Oracle of Humility, who was very vainglorious, and I wrote Humility. Like I, I felt bad afterward because I was having fun because I was writing him as a complete pompous prick, and then the players read that and like took actual offense at it. You know, like oh, you're calling me an idiot, and I'm like, no, the the character, this character is calling your character dumb. Yeah, but like
0: that's not how they interpreted it, and I'm like, oh fuck, I fucked that up. Yeah, I mean. It, I mean, that's just part of the challenges of being a, a storyteller, really. like, um especially when yeah. you're in that 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 three d that that back and forth, that dialogue of story, right that, yeah, like that... I, I I wasn't trying to be an asshole, but I realized afterwards like, oh, that's
1: completely it it read as me the person being an asshole to other people. Mm. I, I didn't intend that at
0: all. You just need one extra filter then. that's that's my advice yeah. as a that's the writer advice. Um, so you got to ham it up even more. Is all I'm saying is like make it like <laughs> use even more ludicrous insults to where like the hyperbole is is apparent. That's my <laughs> lean in even harder. That's that's the <laughs> that's <Yeah>. the trick.
3: <laughs> um, or just let the faction kill him for being a pompous prick, and the problem is solved another way. But didn't they get to kill
0: him? Like that was yeah yeah they, they did kill him in the end. Okay so. yeah so like here's the thing is like would you have felt as great killing him? You know, if he wasn't a pompous prick to begin with, like the, the reward of, you know, that's that's why do we have tension and conflict? For tension, release, and conflict resolution. That's why we do that in the story. And sometimes you can have a, like a really good reward of like the sort of non-reward, right? The, the anti-humor or the anti-whatever. It really depends on the type of story you're telling. Um, Kai, I, I kind of a, a, a asked a question while you were kind of in and out there getting your, your mic under. um uh, under control. Uh, the big question was, like, how do you balance the you know specific character point of view in in a narrative like this, but then zoom back out to an army and then like have your army sort of view that you also have to execute. It does does the a big army just become an extension of the singular character, or is there some play there between the two?
3: Hmm. Hey. <laughs> And the reason why I'm going, Grantcast mm, asks
0: my... the hard questions,
3: and, and and Alex knows the hilarity on this is, is is that during one of the campaigns, I literally had my army stripped away from me because of the narrative, mm. um, which which created its own unique challenge, but also an opportunity. But. I would say it really depends on what the character is. Like, for Kai Leonis, the Bretonian knight leading an errantry force shortly after Nemesis Crown, going after Araby, he's a young guy, first command, his family's entrusted him with this small force. You know, the army served as his training montage genesis. You know, so the interaction with the army you know helped was was integral to his beginning character development and his story arc so there was an awful lot of interplay you know maybe not necessarily because i was still in a kind of a a proto-writing um thing in my first narrative campaign essentially Mm -hmm. Uh, but in my head canon in my mind at least there was the you know his father had sent the old grizzled veteran to be his standard bearer to make sure he didn't get in too much trouble. So there was a lot of mentorship and interaction. So whenever I did something stupid, um, I could blame it on Kai and then I could have my 2020 hind vision come in the form of the standard bearer, come over to inform him of the mistake. And then, you know, did Kai learn it? Did, did I learn moving forward with my own hobby and my own games as a result of it? Right. Um, different armies and different you know even different personalities of character probably have a very different interaction and i think it's more about you know who is your person what is he doing in the moment is the army important you know for for kai it was important because he's surrounded by a group of knights this is this is all that is known to him in a very foreign and strange land that he's never been in before. So this is, this is his circle of trust. This is his comfort level. This is what's helping him get through this new experience. And, you know, it was a very big shock to the character and a very interesting time for me when we got to a campaign where, um, uh, he took his veteran knights, you know, the last, you know, the, the hardened guys that have been with him through thick and thin into a major battle. And he lost every single one of his men to Skaven warp fire cannons. They walked right into an ambush mm-hmm. and literally got blasted. And the way that Kai survived was all of his dog dogpiled on him to protect him from the warp fire. And then I spent two campaigns going through the emotional trauma of, this guy who's always had his army around him as the center of his personality, you know, his his center mm-hmm. of, you know, he need only look at his, you know, his veteran knights beside him to know that yeah, I'm gonna charge the hell out of this and you guys are gonna ride with me and we're all gonna be fine because we're together and we're gonna punch this thing in the face, and now he's alone, and now he has to face the world alone and it terrified the hell out of him, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and so I went through the arc of. You know, both the positive and then the vacuum as a result of the loss of the army. So right. for me, you know, the character and the army was always, in, in one way, it was part of a singular whole, is that I'm looking at the army as how it helped my character, okay. and then what the loss of that army meant to the character in the after. Well, that's that's but,
0: a, that's a great story arc. That's a good character development piece right there, actually. Like, just brilliant.
3: accidental most of the way through
0: well most great stories kind of write themselves when when you say they write themselves it's because you do your legwork on having a good interesting character and a great backstory and a good world and then you just expose them to it and this is how i write literal like this is how i write my novels I, i write the short stories i write is i i think up all of that other stuff and then i just expose them to it and there's like a point in time where the characters start making their own decisions even as a in a singular fashion I am the singular writer writing my stuff what animosity kind of does is it kind of forces that organic decision making that you don't have to like work really really hard as a writer to disarm your own sort of inner cynic while you're writing it's so that's the hardest that's one of the hardest features of writing but I think I think that's a good kind of point to 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 wrap on is like the sort of balance and the joy of playing you know this this Main character, right, in this world, and then you play some games of Warhammer, and you you show some models on the internet, and uh, you 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 sculpt this narrative kind of collectively and and competitively against other yeah. folks. Um, any closing thoughts there, Alex? Any? Did you get did you get the did you get them all off the sprue? Did we get did we did we yeah, get it there? The last three year The last three. Uh, Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Um, yeah, that's why I turned out the light. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're, it was we're, good. Good visual yeah. cue, uh, so so good timing. Um, yeah, any any mm. last points, soapbox moments, wrap wrapping thoughts.
1: Yeah, so I think I, I just want to to close on what uh, what Kai was saying there with the the arc of his character, um, and, and just on, on that real quick, like players are welcome to bring the same character back over and over, or you know, we had some players who each campaign they tried something completely new, and uh, you know, got a different experience. Uh, and and both, both are welcome and both, both are certainly valid, but to, to kind of close on what, what you were both just saying, um, what, what, what you just said is, is absolutely true that animosity forces circumstances on your, your character that you, you know, you don't have control over and, uh, you, you have to write, uh, how you adapt to them. You, you don't have that sort of meta control over what happens. And at least for me, that creates a much more interesting level of, of storytelling, you know, you, even with your own characters. And like you just heard Kai's story and like for, for me as a player, my player character started out as basically a, a sort of good guy dwarf. you know, you're, you're sort of generic dwarf thane. And then, you know, going through war after war shaped him into a really interesting character that I love to this day. But that wouldn't have happened without, you know, the the blast furnace of being exposed to dozens of other players and their stories. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really struggle with, you know, even when you go to the, the Court of the Pale Saint, like, my Flesh Eater Court army was literally, like, it's 2016, and... I want a second army. So, you know, if my brother comes to visit, we can run two armies into each other. And I got a deal on some used models. Like that, that was 100% of my Flesh Eater Court aspirations. And then I ran them into uh, uh, Peter's Stormcast, which were made out of Reaper miniatures. But that, that's a different story. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, I, I, you know, we, we, we played an entire Firestorm campaign in two days. And uh, o- over the course of a weekend, and uh because that's all the time he had to come down to visit and uh you know that that was that conflict became the genesis of a story that you know we've we've kept kind of playing off each other when we can see each other once or twice a year and now you know i've got a bunch of pilgrimage players who used the death of my player character because i just got fed up you know that he'd lost so many times like cool he's dead this time you killed him congrats and the the pilgrimage all hung onto that and used it as an excuse to start a whole another war.
0: <laughs> you know the the yeah. martyr you martyred them un- unintentionally.
1: Yeah, yeah like you, you 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 drew first blood, and like it, it it's a complete falsehood, but it gave them a good reason to start a war. So,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> see, that's you awesome. Know, but, yeah, go you on. know, and I, I think that that clash of you know player stories having to interact with each other
0: creates a really brilliant and organic uh, storytelling experience. Right on, right on. Um, Kyle, I'll let you get a closing thought before I bounce back and have uh, Alex do the the, the the great info dump, put everything on blast he needs to put on blast. Kyle, any last thoughts about Animosity um, as a tenured player?
3: You know, I, I made the choice to bring the same character back, and, and part of it was I, I was always... At the end of a campaign, when I thought I'd finally reached an arc that I could be satisfied with, I found out there was always more I wanted to explore. You know, something new happened that I I needed to bring him back to finish out the story. I, I needed to do this next thing. And, you know, when you're put into the collaborative cauldron that is Animosity, you know, you do surrender a level of agency in what can happen to you gorgeous but at the same at this yes the luminous cavalry if they weren't horses i'd be more (laughs) enticed towards them you Um,
1: you would like the cavalry better if they weren't cavalry got it
3: (laughs) it's a weird dichotomy in in my bretonian mind right now but you know we live with our contradictions as much as anything right um but we you exist in this place where you're exposed to things that you never would have thought of. And I found a true joy in, Oh my God, this just happened to me. How, how does Kai react? You know, like, you know, Oh my God, we just lost a major point. We just got imminently thrashed. What what can I do here? And, and the other sub part of that is, you know, I came in with some of the silliest possible ideas is the core genesis for something that became a very serious and concerted uh, creative effort you know i want to charge an ur turned into you know almost a love song to pretonia uh in 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 the world that is from the world that was with this ethereal night you know just just doing weirdness and then realizing that he's free to be destructive now he doesn't have to to be beholden to anything anymore um, my own my own writing in that regard oh. but you know it's the expectation of what happens is never what actually ends up happening and it's wonderful and it's vexing and it's frustrating and it's amazing and it's high highs and low lows and if you can ride the trough you're going to have fun surfing it
0: Right on, comp killer hashtag charge everything. That's right. ABC always be charging. All right, so uh, folks want to get invested in in the Animosity campaign. Uh, what's the best way to kind of stay woke to it? As mentioned, Animosity three will be next year summer sometime. Right, like.
1: Uh, so make sure to uh, bookmark AnimosityCampaigns.com. dot um, Spelled just the way it sounds. Um. <clears throat> On the the homepage, there will be a Twitter feed. Uh, if you're on Twitter, go ahead and follow us uh, at. Uh, I had to condense campaigns, but uh, it's it's just again at animosity campaigns, with a little bit of a funky spelling on uh, campaigns. Uh, that's probably the best way to to follow us is either our homepage, uh, or just on Twitter. Um, and a- as we get closer to the the next uh, the war path, you know we'll, we'll be pushing out. Uh, um, updates more frequently.
0: Right on, right on. And you just you just closed up one. You had some player rewards and all that stuff. So so there's pretty active feed right now. If you want to kind of retrospectively go back and just kind of scroll through and see some some of the some of the hijinks, quite frankly. Um.
1: Yeah. If if you if you look up uh, on Twitter, if you look up hashtag animosity two, and that's two Roman numerals, so animosity II. Um. Yeah. You'll you'll see a ton of great hobby and and a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of screenshots out of the Discord um, that that are just uh, you know hijinks that happened. Um, if you would like to join the the community directly um, on our website, again animositycampaigns.com, you will see a community tab that has an invite link to our Discord, and uh, it's it's really just an amazing group of players. Like I, at, at, considering animosity is something that languished you know in a a Facebook chat between me and Peter for years you know seeing it come back and be reborn in this way and seeing the the energy and the friendships you know I I couldn't ask for a better team of people uh, to back me up or or a better base of players like everyone uh, that there's been you know basically no drama there there's been no real bad blood like everyone has been amazing right on. Uh, for, for the last two months, um, and I, I really couldn't ask for better. Right. Uh, it's, it's just a really great community. So if you want to be a part of that, uh, check us out on Discord. Um, and as came up a little bit earlier in the show, if you want to follow my hobby adventures personally, um, uh, there's a blog post on the Animosity homepage that has the different social media platforms I'll be on. But if you just want to find me on Twitter, it'll be at little Soldier TV. Um, because the the little soldier was taken, so I just put TV behind everything <laughs> no. that wasn't taken.
0: Um, uh, Mephisto and- FM is my is my Instagram, which I never advertise because Mephisto was <laughs> taken, and so was Mister Meph, and like all the iterations I usually go to. And I'm like, fuck <laughs> yeah, <you." laughs> freaking yeah, Zoomers I- on Instagram, like <laughs> just flip table. <laughs> um, yeah, I-,
1: I hear that. So uh, so yeah, just uh, follow twitter just at uh, little soldier tv and that that'll i'll be dropping a lot more updates for for what i'm doing through there and where else you can
0: find me right on any 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 idea when when we get the first uh big content uh drop from you yeah so i mean the the uh the
1: teaser uh image is out now um if if you read the the end of our our last unfolding narrative um th- there will be some hints that line up with the picture if, if you can uh if you can play some we, we buried that in there uh, the the next big content drop will not be I want to say not until uh, February. Next well, February. you got to
0: hibernate for a little bit after this.
1: Yeah, def- definitely.
0: <laughs> uh, but but we we've
1: already planned like we're not we what we're gonna do is we're gonna do a breakdown. You know, we already started the autopsy debrief. You know, we're we're gonna while it's fresh in our minds, we're gonna learn as much as we can now, and then we're gonna put it on ice through the holidays, and then January we'll pick up a new dev cycle. Right up. Um, and that that's the plan. So th- there won't be anything new in that, you know, regarding Animosity 3 until probably around February is the first you'll start seeing stuff. Um, but that said, there's been a lot of demand for it, and it's something I want to do. So we will be dropping sometime. I, I don't want to put a date on it, um, but sometime in, like, the next month-ish, we'll be doing uh, what we call a player's guide to Amazia and Lake Baikal. Call. Hmm. And that that'll just kind of bring everyone up to speed on like the the settings, of the two campaigns we've had, like where where everything stands right now. So if you want to base your army in it, uh, if if you want to run soulbound uh, adventures in in the setting, like j- just pretty much like snapshot in time, this is where everything stands after the two wars that just happened. Metal. Just kind of just kind of set set everything up to go into the the next
0: one. Right on, right on. Well. Um, uh, Kai you want to do a quick sign off put anything on blast yourself
3: I am generally boring and uninteresting uh, I do have a singular twitter um, uh, at Kai Leonis um, I don't really have much going on outside of the animosity campaigns um, that's just fine uh,
0: the, the impromptu coming off the bench here to, to help us yeah. uh, was a lot I of really fun I really appreciate it Kai thank yeah. you yeah getting that player perspective and proving that chat gang is truly the show within the show um alright well uh thank
1: you so some...
3: oh go ahead oh. I was just... anytime Right on. Um,
0: and,
1: and yeah th- thank you for having us on and taking the time to, uh, to talk to us about this
0: yeah Alex said so this was awesome um this is one of those things kind of born to Twitter like hey like we should talk on the show that I have weekly <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I'm, I'm happy you, uh, you had another successful campaign. Um, I mean, just from my like sort of layman outsider perspective, it, it looked stunning. I got excited on, you know, I caught that residual heat where I'm just like, oh my God, this is pretty awesome. So I'm happy that you came on and kind of talked to me about it. Uh, I look forward to next year and, um, I can't commit to anything in my life, but we'll see about if, if X is indeed going to give it to you in the, in Animosity <laughs> 3, which is my own personal character um so thank you so much uh chat gang again you're the show within the show you're the reason we do this thing uh remember to drink your milk pay your taxes and we'll see you next week good night everybody